And welcome to Cleveland of the Geek, Bring on the Royals edition. I'm John Bonus, which is daily. They're here already. I know. I saw them. I'm last. excited. Oh, bring them on. They're here. <laughs> yeah, bring them on. Uh, have them leave soon. Yes. Not that soon. It's uh, Friday morning. It's drizzling yeah. out. Yeah. John's supposed to be the celebrity bartender at Target Field, the Grey Duck, uh, yeah. whatever deck. In like uh, how many hours? Five hours or yeah. seven hours? Yes, and uh, it's not looking not looking great for that. Um, but it was supposed to hold out or supposed to end by three. It's not going to end by three. Yeah, weather talk on a podcast yeah. is always good. But um, the twins, nice and dry at the gray deck deck. However, and heat lamps. Come join me. Yeah, I'm <laughs> busy. Sorry, pal. I'm sure my partner will go over there. Yeah, well, he's never so. he's never that busy. Uh, I don't want to hear about momentum in baseball ever again. We've gone over this many years. <laughs> how, what a crock of S it is. Well, yeah, sure. But momentum is the next day starting pitcher. That's the cliche, not right? even. Yeah. Yes, that is the cliche. <laughs> they win uh, first two at Yankee Stadium. Then they lose uh, They go lose six out of seven after that. Huh? Uh, and then, yeah, including huh? two ugly games right. to the Nationals who are terrible. Right, yes. Or they're playing slightly less terribly since then but they're they're terrible i'm pretty confident that they're terrible <laughs> they're terrible too uh and then yankees come to town twins immediately look pretty good win <laughs> two out of three yeah. and then just and what was the, and what was why were they looking so good the starting pitching but <laughs> well maybe right. yeah yeah but the offense has started to come around a little bit which yeah. we're going to talk about in a minute but and then uh, you go oh they got a chance to sweep the yankees and then Maeda gives up uh, ten thousand runs and well and clearly sit half the team yeah, that wouldn't have really helped, though, with my eight. Well, um, might have helped at second base. Well, yeah, but Plank, that was Polanco's first game off. Yeah, I know. John, don't become a... Uh, listen, a red- I, I, all I'm saying, listen, I'm, I don't mind the strategy of... It, it's fine to say, rather than give one guy off every day, I'm going to give three, ga- three, ga- three regulars off in but one that day, that's fine. That wasn't even the strategy with Polanco. The only reason well, he didn't take the previous day off Well, yeah, because then you also choose lefty. the same day to do Buxton and to do uh, Taylor as well. Yes. Do you know why, though? Because it was noon game after a night game. That's when you're always going to give guys well, you, days off. Yeah, you give them th- just a lot of guys to give a day off. Yeah, I think this that whole topic is uh, way overblown because – there, uh, individual player in baseball, I know everyone loves to treat it like football or basketball. Like, oh, how dare you give three of your members of your starting yeah. lineup days off? It makes no impact no, on I, a I, given game. I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't mind that's debating whether or not it's a better idea to give three guys the same day off, or whether or not it is uh, different to give you know one guy the day off three days in a row. You know what I mean? Spread them out a little bit. But when you end up as a result of that having Donovan Solano play second base after he was just a butcher at first base the day before, and sure enough, that second inning is just a result of okay. Uh, but then you're uh, just uh, saying uh, Donovan uh, Solano's not good. So well, I'm just, saying, I'm just saying. I'm saying anytime you come up with a lineup where it ends up putting Donovan Solano at second base, you need to rethink the lineup. Well, yeah, but I mean, okay, but Polanco was going to take a day off at some point. Right. Buxton also taking the yeah, day but off. Gordon could be playing second base. Why couldn't he have done that anyway? Because Buxton because gave both Buxton and Taylor the day off, so he needed a center fielder. Right, but Buxton has no impact on that at this well, point. Well, whatever. The ta- you're also getting Taylor a day off because you need a center fielder. Okay, but Taylor had a bad back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
I'm saying it so, wasn't. But, but, I'm saying it wasn't strategic. Everyone well, yeah. acts like they're. Oh, we got to do this, but. Polanco played six games in a row. He was supposed to take a day off the day before, but they faced a lefty, and they didn't want to bench him because then you would have had a left-handed hitter in the lineup, which people wouldn't have liked. Buxton is getting you know one day off a week. He's never going to play a noon game after a night game. I mean, he might once in a while. Right. But, and Taylor's got a bad back because Taylor's been playing every day. Right. There has to be days right. off at some point. I think no, that's listen, the thing. I'm not. I'm not arguing with you. I'm saying this for the for the I, larger. I, I, I'm with you as well. I agree. There's got to be days off. Like when I see guys take day off, I never. But I'm like, but Jesus, also, are we John, really? The starting pitcher gave up ten GD runs. Well, the second baseman didn't do that. Yeah, the second inning it had no effect. On I, I don't know how many of those runs in the second inning were a result of were marked as earned versus unearned runs. But the first three plays of that, they could have been out of the inning before anybody was on base, and it was just it was the entire infield was just a disaster. Yes, yeah, that's time. because they gave guys days off. <laughs> well, then you just need better players at that point. I just, I don't. I, it's strange to me that it's like, and I'm not picking on you. This is a thing people have constantly, where it's just like, guys are going to get days off, and nobody likes that, especially for some reason yeah. in baseball. No. But the idea, it, your point is, Don Fasolano shouldn't be playing second base. Correct. Well, that has nothing to do with the days off. That's just not having a competent roster. Well. I mean, yeah. you know I mean, what I mean? Michael Taylor sitting out one of the first 30 games has not caused some free fall domino effect where you can't feel the competent lineup for a day. Well, you know what I mean? Like Donovan Solano, yeah, he's been bad, but that right. that's, yeah, they signed his ass to put him in there. I mean, I don't know. It, it just seems strange to me. Also, on a day where the starting pitcher gave up 10 runs, it seems absurd. But if anything... That was the perfect day to give everyone days off because they were going to get bombed either way. <laughs> well, maybe. Should have yeah, given okay. two more guys days yeah. off. Should have given me a day off for that game. That was uh, terrible. But we're going to talk about Maeda. I'm actually in a good mood despite the last 90 seconds of me <laughs> berating John for some reason. It's always yeah. good to start with a pointless argument. Um, we'll do one in the middle and then we'll end with a pointless <laughs> we, argument. We like to save it for, just for the, just yeah. for the sponsorship so you really, right. you really enjoy the yeah. sponsorship. Get you hooked. Then, yeah. Uh, the... Uh, they won their first season series against the New York Yankees. There's a team in New yes. York called the Yankees. Yes. They have a decent history. Yes. Um, mostly against the Twins. Mostly against the Twins. <laughs> I, I know that's a joke, but I did look up. I remember last uh, postseason, whenever the Yankees got eliminated, I don't even remember who they played. But I looked up like the their playoff record since whatever their last World Series was, like 15 years ago or whatever it was. It's been a while. Right. And I looked up the Yankees playoff record during that time. And it's like, you know, it's a winning record, but it's not not great. And then I separated out games against the Minnesota Twins, which they're 16-2 and two in the playoffs <laughs> right, uh, right, over right. the last, whatever, 20, two decades, basically. And if you look at the games aside from that against, like, non-Twins opponents, uh, they win, like, 38% of their games in the playoffs. <laughs> and I just thought, what – would the reaction of – I mean, the Yankees fans are already kind of uh, frustrated right. by the state of the team over the last several years sure. with Brian Cashman never gets fired and all this stuff, even though they make the playoffs every year, but they haven't made a deep run for right. quite a while. I just thought, imagine if you remove 16 wins and only two losses right. from their, that – How much different does the Yankee legacy yeah, look like? It's you know, crazy right to now, me. Right. They, would, they would have become uh, the Twins never getting out of the first <laughs> round. That's maybe an yeah. overstatement. But uh, with that said – First series win, so the Twins went four and three against the Yankees, which is not a big Fine. deal. <laughs> yeah, it's not a big deal. Uh, you split four at Yankee Stadium, which, yeah, that's when it, I mean, we talked about it at the time. That's an accomplishment. And then you win two out of three at Target Field. Right. 
uh, even though they were probably outscored in that series. I mm. guess maybe not because it was For only sure a six-run right? uh, deficit. It turned out, but right. you finish four and three, and that's it. They're done with the Yankees, uh, which I tried to get Baldelli to talk about the idea of. Well, first I tried to get him to talk about the Yankees, and he was like, "Yeah." Then the next morning, Wednesday morning before the Maeda uh, blow up, I said, well, is at least a, do you view it as kind of a nice thing that you got all seven games against the Yankees in April yeah. and you can use it as kind of an early test or a barometer right? and then you're done with it. You don't have to think about them till maybe October. And if you're thinking about them in October, that's relatively a good thing. And he was like, his exact, he looked me right in the eye and he said, uh, Aaron, that's what he calls me, Aaron. Uh, I'd love to give you some drama for that quote here. I really would, oh, wow. but I can't. And I laughed. Wow. And he goes, "I'd really love to help whatever you got going on over there." I was exactly. Right. And I thought, "All right, that's fair." But then I thought, you know, it's funny. Like that's funny. so many of the players, and we talked to Buxton about this, and, and uh, Joe Ryan about this, and Sonny Gray about this, and they largely take a similar viewpoint, which is logical for twenty-something-year-old non-Minnesotans. Which is what the f does Byron Buxton care? What happened in two thousand two? Right, uh, you know, with a team full of guys he's probably never even met, you know, and teams that he probably wasn't even paying attention to growing up in Baxley, Georgia. Like, right. what? Who cares? But I did think when it comes to Rocco Baldelli, Rocco Baldelli grew up a Red Sox fan. Right, yeah, he's from Rhode Island. Same thing, right? Uh, he knows all too well you know he's a 40 year old i believe he's 41 right. he's my age Chris of the bambino was a thing right. while he was he's he's he my age kid, right and so yeah. i think of what i my perception of red sox yankees when i was right. you know growing up and a teenager and a young adult and i'm thinking well yeah that's all yankees crushing them until the big turnaround right. you know the 03 comeback and all that stuff and then i think well but the one difference between baldelli and like a just a red sox fan is Baldelli spent most of his pre-Twins career, over a decade, right. in various roles, including as a player, obviously, with the Tampa Bay Rays. Right. In the division. In the division with the right. Yankees. And if there was any team that – I'm not saying the Tampa Bay Rays like, dominated the Yankees. I'm sure their record wasn't particularly amazing against the Yankees. But if there was any team that the players from that team would not be scared of the Yankees, it's the yeah. a, a team that had one-tenth the payroll – and constantly outperformed expectations and knocked the Yankees off plenty of times and made a couple deep playoff runs. And then, by the way, he played for the Red Sox team that went to the World Series. Yeah. So I do think there's a little bit of uh, – because I remember when – I'll also say this. If you ever see a game in Tampa Bay versus the Yankees, like it's, it's going all to be, Yankees It's fans. all yeah. Yankees fans. That, I mean, Yankees – their spring training home right. is in Tampa Bay. Yes. So that that whole area is just thick with Yankees fans. That's, that's why I thought he'd right. be sick of it. Right. I thought I, he'd I say, agree. yeah, it's yeah. great to beat him. Right. No, he didn't He didn't do that. But yeah. there was a lot of uh, – the reason I noticed that there were a lot of Yankees fans at these past three games at Target Field were because, A, there weren't that many fans in general. Right. And, B, Aaron Hicks was getting booed constantly. <laughs> and at first I was like – From both sides? <laughs> that's what I was like, why are Twins – I mean, he wasn't right. great. He was, you know, a disappointment, relatively speaking, right. with the Twins. But, you know, it's not his fault that they traded him and he did well in New York. But then I realized, no, he's like become – 
the three most hated Yankees at this point, <laughs> as far as I can tell. I can tell, yep. Are Aaron Hicks, yep. Josh, Josh Donaldson, Donaldson, and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, <laughs> which uh, the Twins traded all three. I think you can also include Joey Gallo in that, even though he's not actually a Yankee. Yeah, well, there was a lot of drama with that, actually. Joey Gallo, uh, and I'm only going to say this because our Yankees, a couple of Yankees writers wrote about it, but Joey Gallo basically dodged the New York media all week. Okay. Um you know, they came into the clubhouse, which is not super common. Like no, it's very uncommon. With a visiting writer. Once in a while, one visiting writer right. will come in. Like when Houston was in town, a couple of Astros writers sure. came in to talk to Correa. Correa sure. Uh, that sort of thing. But, for the, but you know, there were, uh, I don't know, half dozen Yankees writers waiting around each day for Joey Callow. And uh, at one point I said to him, uh, good luck. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you're going to see him. Um, but, and meanwhile, he had a great series. Mm-hmm. And he's having a great season, aside from yeah, that little including blip. Like, including just like a couple of statement home runs, like the home run immediately after Miranda yeah. got hit by the pitch. Right. I know it's a curveball, but <laughs> but you know that was a kind of cool one. I thought the home run right in the uh, game one. And then he you know, did, right. Yeah, I mean he's uh, been fantastic. I mean he missed the time with the with the minor injury right, right in the middle of right. what of the first whatever. What are we at twenty six games? But he's got seven homers. Strikeout rate is way down. Yeah. He's played good defense at first and in the in the outfield corners. Yeah. Although even he made a bad play the other day at first, but uh, he's yeah, a little better of, than that your was guy, part of that second inning. Your guy Donovan Solano, <laughs> a little better than I Donald. was. So glad when they uh, in game two when they brought him in as a defensive replacement at first base yeah, for the eighth and ninth off. and immediately paid off yeah. with two scoops. Yeah, uh, one th- once in the eighth and once in the ninth, trying to protect a you know. Yeah, somewhat tenuous lead. There was a, lead even that great play that Polanco had up the middle on Aaron Judge's mm-hmm. ball mm-hmm. required a. Gr- I mean, that was a phenomenal right. play by a guy who just right. came off the IL for With uh, bad knees knee problems. <laughs> right. Phenomenal yeah. play, but it required a great scoop at the end by right. Joey Gallo. Yep. And uh, I, th- I don't. Know, I can't remember if we talked about this already on the Patreon. We do it. We do a midweek show called the Patreon podcast, <laughs> where we already talked about the Yankees a little the bit. First two games of the Yankees series. P a t r e o n Patreon dot com slash Gleeman. Can answer questions. Commercial free episodes with guests and mailbag, and we'd love to have you join us. Talk about the first place Twins more than we do on just this show. But Baldelli kind of said, you know, it's not a surprise to us that Joey Gallo is a really good first baseman, and I'll. I'll say this, like throughout spring training, he got a lot of reps at first and they were pretty consistent in saying they thought he had like gold glove upside at first base. He just hadn't played a whole lot of first base because he was busy winning two gold gloves in the outfield for the Rangers. But Baldelli said, I mean, A is huge. He's a good athlete. The arm, which is phenomenal, is not as much of an asset at first, obviously. I mean, we saw that with Sano and Maurer and, and guys like that. But... It's totally wasted. <laughs> yeah. Although, although he's turned some double he's plays. He's some weird throw-to-home <laughs> yeah, double plays. You are correct. Uh, but and also some at second base, right? Yeah. Or at least one. Through to second on yeah. one. That was nice. Um, but Baldelli kind of said he's he's very good in small spaces, which is interesting hmm. for a guy who is massive. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Um, but they credited Jace Tingler, who's the Twins bench coach, formerly the Padres manager, and before that was a coach in the Texas Rangers system, was a player first in the Texas Rangers, and coached for many years a young Joey Gallo. And Baldelli kind of said this offseason, we were looking around and we knew Kirloff was a question mark because of health, which we're going to talk a lot about here in a moment because that's about to come to a a head, I think, from a timeline perspective. But 
he said this offseason we were kind of drawing up a list of yeah who could we target at first base to be a veteran fill in there or provide a plan b if Kirilov's not ready to go and all that because we just traded Luis Arise. And uh, Jace Tingler spoke up and said, I know he's not in your head a first baseman, but Joey Gallo can be a great first baseman. And they went out and got him for a one-year, $11 million deal, which was a polarizing signing, I would say, probably. I think the worst thing about that time or what made it polarizing was the timing of it. Because what happened is essentially the same day that we learned that Correa was signing this long-term deal with the Giants or or, or a couple days after that. In fact, we found out that... The conference to welcome Gala was the day that they fell apart well, with the Giants, right? Were you were you at the Gala? No, I missed that. So one. I'm standing in the clubhouse <laughs> yes. that morning. It was like a I don't know Tuesday morning. I don't. It was some random right. weekday morning, and we're there to meet Joey Gallo. Who was going to pose for pictures and answer questions, and he had just signed his his deal. And as we're standing there waiting for Gallo to come in and start our little press scrum, Derek Falvey walks in, and Dan Hayes yeah, says so. to him. You see this Correa thing? And Falvey went, what now? <laughs> right. And yeah, to yeah. Falvey's credit, I would have gone upstairs to my office. <laughs> Falvey answered questions about Joey Gallo, right. kept a calm demeanor, uh, shook hands and you know kissed babies and all that stuff. Then went upstairs to find and out what then was going on. <laughs> at one point, we were like talking to him just casually. And he was like, I actually uh, I got a meeting uh, up there. So I'm going <laughs> to be back. And it turned out. Uh, as he found out when he got more info, the press conference had been delayed and right. it never happened right. with the Giants right. and then it set in motion, all that stuff. Right. So, yeah. So, I the timing of that was right after we had learned that Correa was signing someplace right. else. The with I mean, I think it was the same day that news broke. Oh, the Twins are signing Joey Gallo. And it was just like, well, that's right. just a terrible way to start a free. Yeah. <laughs> a terrible way to start and, your career. I mean, let's like, be honest. Joey Gallo was abysmal last season right, for the Yankees yes, and right. briefly the Dodgers. He, he right. hit literally 160. I know that's like a – Hyperbole, we say like, oh, that guy hit like 160. When we say yeah. bad, he hit 160 on the dot. Right. And just stylistically, I think the same people who were so incredibly frustrated over the years by Miguel Sano, mm-hmm. even when Miguel Sano was playing well, and certainly right. when he was not playing well at the end, uh, thought, we finally got rid of the number two strikeout guy in baseball history. We signed the literally the only player who number has one. a higher strikeout rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all that. But, you know, I'm hopeful that, and I, I wasn't, I got it. I think we were kind of on the same page where from just a pure upside play, it's sure. easy to see why they would invest one year, $11 million in the guy. He's two years ago was an all-star. He's a two-time gold glove winner. If they thought he could play first really well, which he has, that's even more value. But the idea of him, you know, hitting 220 with 30 homers and good defense is in a lot of walks is not outlandish. Right. But – at the time, we were like, "Do they really need a left-handed bat?" Because yeah. it, fe- it felt a lot like good contract, but good right. player. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know. Like, and now I just think, yeah. where would they be right. without Joey Gallo, right. who has provided the most consistent offense basically on the entire team? And the other funny thing, we were joking about momentum and stuff earlier, but they start the season, they can't hit a lick, but the starting pitching is just carrying them every night. Mm-hmm. Six six innings, one run; seven innings, no runs. All that. Then as soon over the last week or so, as soon as the lineup starts to kind of click a little bit, and it's certainly part of it is getting healthy, 
Yes. Adding Polanco back yep. into the mix. I was going to say, it's Polanco and Gallo. Right. Are Polanco the, and Gallo. And uh, Buxton re- getting. Buxton's been good. Back from his. Miranda's finally shown a little sign of life. Correa maybe has shown it. But the lineup is putting together, not huge numbers, but I think consistently better at bats. They're right. grinding out. They're pushing pitchers uh, out of the game in the third or fourth inning and stuff like that. And they're breaking through for some home runs at least. I think they have 10, home, uh, 10 games in a row with a, at least a homer. Okay. Um, and as soon as that happens. 40% of the starting rotation. <laughs> Boom, let's, down. Let's dive into that as the next topic yep. after we uh, talk a little bit about uh, gro- Grody Beef. It's G-R-O-T-E, Grody Beef. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're having a meat raffle, kids. Uh, and let me just tell you what the kids. prize is. Two ribeye steaks, four T-bone steaks, four sirloin steaks, three roasts, and 15 pounds of 90% lean ground beef. Over $300 worth of value. I have had... Some of these steaks. No veggies in that? Oh, my, my. <laughs> no, that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have I ever told you the story about Riggs? No, R- but maybe R- save R- it R- after R- the... Riggs is his second birthday or something. Third birthday. This is John's like son. Right, yeah, yeah. John the Eighth or whatever right, he is. Yeah, yeah, right. Riggs, they call it. Uh, uh, we're like, what do you want to have for your birthday dinner? And he says, steak. Yeah. And nothing else. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> everything else is just... He doesn't want to have to have that yeah, stuff, other stuff on his plate. It's just window dressing. Or, or it's just he doesn't really want it. Like with a potato I don't want, broccoli I don't yeah. want, all that other stuff. Steak yeah. and nothing else. Well, you can win steak and nothing else from Grody Beef. Rick should sign up for Let, this. Let's talk a little bit about Grody Beef. eligible? <laughs> They're, uh, uh, I should make sure he knows about this. Yeah. <laughs> he would love There'd it. Be, I'd launch an investigation <laughs> if John I, Bonus I, the seventh won. Fair point. I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think Riggs is eligible. Yeah. Uh, uh, Grody family has been uh, farming down in North, North Strand, which is near Northfield, since 1856. So there's their sixth generation of people raising great cows. I'm talking Angus beef cattle that are selected based on meat quality and tenderness, responsibly raised here on the farm on a diet of grass pasture, and then finished on grass and corn, and that's hormone-free and antibiotic-free. And you can buy individual steaks from them. So when you go to Grody Beef, G-R-O-T-E-B-E-E-F.com to sign up, also just do a little tour. They've got individual ribeye, T-bone, New York strip sirloin. And they will deliver... Yes. Within 70 miles, basically anywhere in the Twin Cities, That's they right. will deliver directly to you. That's right. You can get quarter cows, you can get half cows, all kinds of great stuff. So, And you, if you just want to check out the website and join the meat raffle, you can see at the top of the page, It'll I think it says like Gleaming in the Geek Meat right. Raffle. That's You'll right. be able to That's figure right. it out. Yes, right. Click that. But then, in addition to signing up for the meat raffle, which you might as well do, it's free <laughs> right. to do it, uh, any order placed over the... Basically, this time period between now right. and when we announce the meat raffle uh, winners, you use the promo code Gleeman and you get twenty percent yeah. off your order, and they'll deliver it right. To I you. guarantee you, you order some of those steaks and have them, you go like, "Holy crap! This is different than the steaks I usually get." Uh, Soda Stick, yes, is our next sponsor, longtime sponsor of us. Right. We always kind of say the same thing, which is anybody can just buy a twin shirt. In the <laughs> right, yeah. There's no harm in that, but. If you want to be the guy who walks through the concourse and have people go, hey, that's a cool shirt. Where'd you get that shirt? Inevitably, people are getting these shirts from Soda Stick. I see players wearing Soda Stick (laughs) almost every day. They like the jokes. Right. They like the the references. The whole idea behind Soda Stick is something happens in a game. They acquire a player. Somebody gets a nickname, something funny, some funny moment, and they're able to quickly do like a small batch Right. Of this stuff, but high quality, right? Not just you know screen printed on whatever. Right. These are g- like 
I've had them do shirts for me <laughs> right. to do stuff. I right. Becky's work thing had 40 shirts made by them, and they were all talking to me about how good the quality was. Right. And, like, there's one I really like, which is the Tony Oliva hitting school. Right. They've also got the TK batting practice one. Yeah, that, that's great. That, that one is, they just got more in stock. Because that's one of the things we talk about is, this yeah, is signed a small match. Out. They run out. I, I think they are literally getting more in stock yesterday. So go out that's there and the take a bat. TK and his Zubas smoking a cigar, <laughs> feeding the pitching machine. Exactly. You've probably seen the picture. So they immortalize <laughs> right, that. Uh, and if you use the promo code Gleeman, what do you get? 15% off, That I is think? right. 15% off. Soda Stick, Soda like Minnesota, SodaStickCo.com or just Google uh, Soda Stick. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they they beat the Yankees. They're 6-4 and four against the Yankees and Astros, <laughs> which are going to be your two, yeah, right. you know, maybe your most dangerous opponents or your most feared opponents, obviously. They haven't done pr- well against either right, of those yeah. uh, for quite a while now. It also bodes well in terms of the narrative about uh, – about yeah, they they it's July and they still haven't won any postseason games. Yeah, that's yeah. our favorite narrative. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know, I wrote about that the other day. Like yeah. I said, we were discussing, and I said, "Well, it's going to seem like you gave me the idea for this article, <laughs> but it's written already." I saw a couple people on Twitter were like, "Hey, Twinsky, good job giving Gleeman the article <laughs> idea." Uh, but yeah, we always kind of mock this idea, but it's it's such an easy, and it doesn't make it untrue to be like, "Well, talk to me," you know, when they win a playoff game. Um, it's fine for a fan to be frustrated after 20 sure. years and say, you know, I don't care what happens in April because nothing has ever happened in October or right. whatever. But as we like to point out, they can't do anything about that for 11 months out of the year. <laughs> yeah. So if you take the stance that, you know, every signing made in November or every walk-off win in April or every, you know, trade at the deadline right. is meaningless because they don't, come attached to a win in October, you're so safe in that criticism or that skepticism because literally nothing can be done about it. But two points to that, which is like you just said, one is the only thing that you can come close to uh, affecting that in April, May, June, July, and on and on is to play good baseball and defeat playoff caliber teams, particularly teams that have been hugely successful and have knocked the – S around, right. uh, uh, knocked you around. And the only other thing you can do about that is make the playoffs. Right. And they're f- off to a good start in a bad division. They're on pace right now for 90-something wins. They're beating good teams. They haven't quite performed as well as you'd like to see against bad teams, uh, Nationals, right. Marlins, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, et cetera. But they've so far won four in a row against the Royals. We'll see what happens after we finish recording this. But I think before the 2021 season, after the Twins had lost 2019-2020, Randball Stu, who writes a satire on Twins Daily, wrote a story that at the I think on opening day that basically said, nothing good can happen for the next six months. Right. <laughs> because no matter how much they win, yeah. you're going to be like, yeah, but let's see how they do in October. I so said- literally, like... All that can happen is they can miss the playoffs or or they can make the playoffs. Everybody's like, yeah, but. And I I get like being so frustrated or beaten down by what's happened in October for that to be the case. And I'm not like criticizing anybody for having that viewpoint. Sure. I just think don't let your uh, interest in buzz killing (laughs) supersede your interest in baseball. Because like the fun of baseball is yeah, a World Series run is great, a playoff run is great, all that. But 
more than any other sport, the the kind of at least to me, the joy or the enjoyment right. of baseball is the every day for six months having something every day to go to or watch or talk about or you know speculate about or look up numbers for or watch video all that stuff and you know the joy that comes with a team winning a division winning going you know 92 and 70 winning a division in a close fought race or whatever is that as heightened as playoff atmosphere no is that as important to a fan base as winning a World Series or even winning a playoff series? No, but it's like little dopamine hits right. every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or little ups and downs. And I, I almost enjoy that more. Now, that's easy to say for someone who covers a team that hasn't won a playoff <laughs> game in 20 years because the enjoyment of that is purely hypothetical <laughs> at this point. I forgot. I was eight in 1991. So, like, the, my, my memories of a, what a deep playoff run feels like is, uh, I don't know. I was going to say I was still pooping my pants, but that's a little late to be pooping your pants. Uh I'm on the Power Trip Morning Show regularly on Tuesday mornings. They like to talk about their favorite TV shows, and I'm constantly berated because I'm not watching, you know, yeah. Breaking Bad. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen Mad Men. I haven't done this. And I said, uh, that's because every year I watch a 162 episode yeah. <laughs> TV show that's on every night. Yeah. Right? <laughs> every night for six months. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the TV yeah, show I watch. That's what I kind of view. And each one's three hours. At that time, three and a three and a half yeah. hours. <laughs> right? Well, and the, right. And the, uh, boy, the writer's room gets a little stale with the twins. <laughs> it's like, oh, right. they, let's have them lose to the Yankees again. Right. Let's yeah. have them lose in debilitating fashion right. on uh, October 3rd. But that's why this year's a, a little bit different, right. which, you know, I'm not going to sit here and uh, say that going four and three against the Yankees is some huge meaningful thing or that there should be a parade thrown or uh, any of that stuff. But, you know, for change to happen, things have to change. Right. If if you don't believe anything can ever change, well, yeah, that's that's a problem. But if you do believe, as I do, and I think you embracing change. Well, not in I'm my so life. Excited. In the lives of <laughs> so other people. Excited. Um, but you, like the if, twins are making Aaron Gleeman a believer. Yeah. But it, my stance on this in has always life. been: at some point, they will win a playoff game, and I'll <laughs> go further: a playoff series. Ooh, ah. So, what has to happen between now and then is the question. Right. It's going to happen. It's an inevitability, and so to me. What would a season look like in which at the end of that season they do break the historic playoff losing streak? Well, you're never going to know it in the moment. So you can never say in April, ooh, that win I bet is going to really feel good when we look back on it in October because you have no idea. All you can do is enjoy it in the moment. But I will say that it wouldn't surprise me in whichever season they break this playoff curse – that you do look back and go, oh yeah, remember they went four and three against the Yankees in April, and that you know little monkey off the back, little right. oh prove it, proof of concept is what I wrote. It's <laughs> right against the Yankees and the Astros. It's at least showing we can hang with these teams. Now it's in April, but you can hang with these teams. Yeah. So I don't know. That's been kind of my um, kind of my view of it. But pitching wise, as we as we hinted at, uh, I didn't mean, didn't mean to get like so existential. <laughs> like the boat. I don't know why we're you like. Get, I like it. Yeah. I like it. You're embracing change. No, it's not. No. <laughs> I, I, I'm embracing soon, logic. Soon you'll be trying what, different what? foods. I don't know exactly no, what. Please. No. Please. <laughs> Last year I was uh, 
paid to eat cauliflower for the first time at the Twins game <laughs> for our pregame meal. Okay. And it was there the other day. Was it regular cauliflower? Is it deep fried cauliflower or was that roasted? It was like roasted. Okay. Um, terrible. But <laughs> it was back again for the pregame meal two days ago. Uh-huh. And the same people that paid me said, uh, there you go, cauliflower. <laughs> and I was like, well, the price is higher now because I know it's terrible now. Uh, I have, You know, I enjoy uh, mashed cauliflower. Well, they make it like mashed potatoes. Oh, yeah. Because I can trick my brain into sure. thinking it's mashed potatoes. I like it. I like cauliflower rice. Yeah, I could go for that. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. Big rice fan, so yeah. I could go for right. that. Yeah. Anyway, um, should we do more cauliflower talk or talk sure. about uh, Maeda and Maui. So <laughs> the Maeda thing, especially to me, the whole from start to finish over the last 10 days has been so strange to me because – He's coming back from Tommy John. He missed 19 months, and spring training was, uh, let's call it a mixed bag for him. But he actually looked pretty good in his first outing, right. especially given the context of missing almost you know a year and a half. Uh, and then the second outing was shakier, but not bad. And then the third outing gets pushed back because right. of, he has some arm fatigue. Yeah, there, You definitely just get the sense there's something going on behind the scenes that they're seeing. They're like right. Whether it's arm fatigue or lower velocity or what, and that's happening in the bullpen sessions. Right. So they push back his start, but then he uh, makes his start, what, last Tuesday in Boston. Right. And, <laughs> and then of all the things to happen. Right. He takes a 112-mile-an-hour liner uh, off the left ankle. Off the left ankle bone. Like, you can yeah. hear the crack. In the second inning. Right. And that was it for him. And he leaves the game. And immediately, you know, even Baldelli said the other day, like, oh, he couldn't stand in the like in the hallway. Like, we had to help him to the clubhouse. And I'm thinking, oh, he broke his ankle. Right. Like, that's it for him. Next morning, uh, comes and he's like, there's barely any swelling. I'm good to go. And the twins are like, uh, okay, but let's wait a second here. And he throws on the side, and then he throws a bullpen session on uh, Monday, and he's cleared to start. And it's strange that every step in that process, Maeda was like, I'm ready. I'm amazed that that it healed, like, nothing. I feel fine. And every step along the way, the twins, and including Baldelli, were like, well, we'll see. We still want to test him again. They were skeptical, which I would be too. Of course. Then he takes the mound. Skeptical, pretty much for two months. Well, yeah, <laughs> but they keep, eighteen but, months. But yeah. they keep keep yeah trying so him out there. He takes the mound in the the last uh, Wednesday against the Yankees, the third game of the series after the Twins have won the first two. And to me, at least, it's immediately apparent he ain't right. Now, does that mean he's unplayable? No, but he's eighty seven, eighty eight with the fastball, which even for him is uh, no good. Right. They bunt on him a couple times because they know he's got the bad ankle. Mm-hmm. And on one of them, a bunt, uh, to- push bunt towards first, he's in position to have to field it. And yeah. he's actually a gold glove caliber fielder typically right. or has been in the right. past. I mean, the ball off his ankle, he managed to yeah, make a great play on Yes. Right. So he tries to make a play on this bunt and he ends up falling, basically belly flopping onto right. the ground. Yes. And in the moment, it looked to me like he tweaked his back. Now, maybe that's me speaking as a 40-year-old who often tweaks his back, <laughs> assuming that a 35-year-old just tweaked <laughs> yeah, his back. Sure. It actually turns out, he said afterward, he had the wind knocked out of him because he okay. like landed on the ball uh, gotcha. on his stomach and everything. But you know, he's he stands up, and he's just kind of twisting his torso and trying to stretch out and bending at the waist and all that. It's you know every sign that you'd ever seen for someone with a bad back, but it was the same thing. Then he's 
even his warm-up pitches, he sailed one to the backstop to try to prove he could stay in the game, and they stick with him. He gives up five runs in the first inning, including some poor defense behind him, yeah, which yeah, we right. just Ridiculous. bickered about in the beginning <laughs> right, of the podcast. Right. Including him falling down. It was one of yes. those plays, one uh, of the three plays yes. I was talking about. Right. Um, yeah, you can't blame Donovan Solano for <laughs> no, that. No, you can't Unless blame he that. Put that like one a, was him. He threw that banana peel I don't know. <laughs> tripped him up. That one was the So Don he Donovan's gives up play, five yeah. runs, and... When he exited the second inning, which is when he gave up the five runs, I think. No. The first inning. No, it was the fourth. It, I think it was the second inning they gave up the five yeah. runs. So when he comes back to the oh, dugout, I'm thinking to myself, We're he ain't coming back third. out. Because he's clearly not right. He's throwing 88 miles an hour. I thought he just tweaked his back like mm-hmm. in a major way. The ankle, to the Yankees' view at least, is still an issue because right. they're bunting yes. on right. him. Yeah. Uh, but he comes back out. He throws a scoreless inning, actually. Velocity yeah. still high 80s, yep. but you know that's not that crazy for him. And then comes back out for the fourth, and at that and point, to me, he appears to be in significant discomfort. Like he's doing his arm stretches, he's doing back stretches. Yeah. But again, it could be like a little bit we used to talk about with Michael Pineda, right? Yeah. Where Baldelli <laughs> yeah, had right, to finally right. say, like a year into managing Michael Pineda, I have to stop looking at his ma- body manner <laughs> right. because he appears he's to always be, uncomfortable. Yes, in con- <laughs> we right. we compared it to me. Dressed up for a wedding. <laughs> right, if someone right, were to right. watch me all night, they would say, is this man in pain? No, <laughs> I just don't like tucking my shirt in. And I feel, you know, fat guy in little coat. And that was kind of Paneda's vibe. Right. With Maeda, who's in great shape and a good athlete and right. all that stuff, it's different. But he, he, to me at least, clearly seemed to be in discomfort or um, limited. You know, you could right. tell, I would argue, from the stuff he was showing and all that. And then he just gets knocked around but again. He, there's rockets now. Yeah. Now there's rockets all around. Right. right. And near the end of the fourth <laughs> inning, right. he's just flat out, like, rotating his arm and stretching. And, you and they look- come out to talk to him. Right. They have a long conversation on the mound. By the way, at which point no one has warmed up yet. Right. Which is, to me, I wish I had a clip of the audio in the press box where I'm just... Looking to anyone who will pay attention to me in this press box and saying, am I effing nuts? How right. is Brent Hedrick not war- – like, right. what is happening here? Yeah. Like, what is th- – he's now given up five-plus runs for a second time in four innings. Appears to be in significant discomfort, and the bullpen is just tumbleweeds out there. Right. That's yes. the part I don't yeah. get that at all. So finally, yeah, they come out to talk to him. Then then they, they still leave him in after that. To give up more damage. No. He th- I think he threw one pitch. Right. And then he starts stretching his arm out and then it's <laughs> and, come and, and then they're him. like, okay, now right. that's, now right. that's right. it. Right. And so then I'm thinking, well, that's it. For We have seen the end of Kent Maeda, like, you know, given his history, given his age and all that. He doesn't talk post game, which is never a, a great sign for a pitcher mm-hmm. from an injury standpoint. But Baldelli says post game and working with limited knowledge there, obviously, because it's immediately after the fact, uh, the back is fine. <laughs> and then Baldelli says something that I it's still I can't quite grasp, which he said, you know, in the first few innings we thought his stuff was pretty good. And I just wanted to scream, What? Right. His you're average fastball velocity, right? was eighty eight miles an hour. Now, he was getting some swings and misses with off speed stuff, right. but okay. And then we asked, you know, what was the elbow problem or the arm problem, because we didn't know. And he said it was the top of the the arm, like where the forearm and elbow meet, kind of. Okay. Which is not the area typically associated with Tommy John surgery. Right. And both after the game and even yesterday, Maeda, Baldelli, Twins officials, 
kept stressing over and over, this is not directly related, we feel, to the elbow surgery, which is fine, except it is related to the elbow surgery. He missed 18 months, and now he has arm fatigue. And it's fine to classify that as arm fatigue as opposed to forearm or elbow soreness or whatever it is. It's not uncommon for a guy to miss 18 months, come back and start pitching and realize, oh, I'm not ready. Like, my arm is fatigued. It's also not uncommon to have a bruised ankle, alter your mechanics a little bit, make it, you know, your arm feels a little bit different. Tweaked back or have the wind knocked out of you or whatever it is. Right. Uh, Or he hurts his neck looking at all the rockets that he was giving up uh, turning around. (laughs) That's a Patrick (laughs) Royce joke that I stole. Um, But the – so – he still, as of this show, has not been placed on the injured list. Now, he is going to be placed on the injured list. I can tell you that. Uh, he's going to be replaced. Well, this could change because now there's a second injured starting right. pitcher. But as of pregame yesterday, he was going to be replaced with Bailey Ober you know, right. a day or two from now, yeah. which makes sense. Um, but just the entire handling of Maeda from start to finish, particularly given the specific context of him being a 35-year-old coming back from two missed seasons, basically, right. for Tommy John surgery, just the idea of who had just been pushed back because of arm fatigue, right. the idea of you know him pushing to play through this ankle problem, going out there against, by the way, the New York F and Yankees. They <laughs> right. could have pushed yes. him back a day and had him face the Royals if they wanted to, really. Yeah. Um, Fielding two-thirds of a lineup. Sure. <laughs> you, you SOB. <laughs> Uh, yes, John gave me, pointed to me when he said that. I wish people could have seen. Clever little John. I just got a glimpse of the John who probably got detention after school for pissing off his teacher or something like that. Um, and, you know, throwing 88 miles an hour. There was just so many red flags going up. And maybe I'm nuts with this. But, like, I just looked at it and I just thought, there's some disconnect here that I'm not understanding, or there's a disconnect between player and team. Well, whereas maybe Maeda is essentially just saying, I'm if, going to pitch. If there's ever going to be a player on this team where there is going to be, you're going to have trouble reconciling little differences about attitude and such towards health. You would think, you know, a person that is from Japan, right. with a very different culture in terms of when you play, how you play, et cetera, sure. uh, health. Uh, language barrier, right. etc. Like you're speaking to each other. Like this is the sort of thing where y- y- there are already obstacles in sort of sa- in sort of having that real moment, right. you know, with somebody. <laughs> They're coming from it from very different perspectives to begin with. Like I can see where it would be. Ha- it would be there would be a level, and not to mention a veteran, you know, who's, you know... Right. Uh, I mean, there's uh, a level of deference that they're giving to him. I mean, correct. that's how he got the fifth spot in the rotation, despite not looking good for most of spring training. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and despite having Bailey Ober waiting in the wings and all that. <laughs> On top of that, you've got concerns about, you know, you've got contract, you've got money right. tied into it as well, right? right. Like, you know, it's not something like he's going to get paid the same whether he's in the bullpen or starting. It's a significant difference for him. Now, maybe, maybe they've reworked that contract or something, or they try to make him whole a little bit based on that. But th- there's just so many different issues around it that it doesn't surprise me that this is a tricky, I guess, right. at best, you know, one way to put it, uh, situation to manage right. between the two parties. I agree with all that. I sh- I will note that Maeda is very well liked. Like the idea of him as a difficult personality oh, no. is not the case. Absolutely not. But I just think from a – all the stuff you described and also just it could be as simple as, look, 
I'm 35. I just missed two <laughs> right, seasons. Yeah, I'm right. pitching. Like if I can, if I can physically pitch, I'm pitching. Right. And I wonder how much that played into having him make the twin, the Yankees start despite the ankle issue. Yeah. Uh, I wonder how much that played into leaving him into that game and kind Especially of because he missed a Yankees start already. Varland pitched for him oh, uh, at Yankee, in Yankee Stadium, Stadium. Right. I wonder how much that played into leaving him into the game after that rough first inning when his velocity was clearly down and to my eyes at least, very untrained eyes, he didn't seem right physically on multiple fronts. Right. Uh, you know, to leave that guy in, think of how careful the Twins are with pitching. Right. How that's become like almost a point of criticism because they're so <laughs> right. overly yeah, right. They left a 35-year-old Tommy John comeback in to give up 10 runs. Mm-hmm. In what universe is that happening in normal circumstances? <laughs> yeah. So that's why I'm just been viewing this situation. Now we talked to Baldell yesterday about it. Talked to Maeda yesterday about it. Maeda basically just said the elbow's fine. It's just arm fatigue. Right. Yeah, I don't know that there's a difference really functionally. Now yeah, it's better than saying, "Oh, we took an MRI and uh, there's yeah, new right. damage." Yeah, right. Now there's right. no structural damage, so that's good. I just. He's clearly going to go on the injured list. I would certainly bet the over on you know a minimum stay, uh, particularly because they have Bailey Ober waiting in the wings. Right. I just wonder like what if, what comes <laughs> although, next. Although there's the rest of the rotation starting yeah. to drop like flies. Yeah. So. <laughs> so we can, let's talk about Mally here too, which. Uh, well, should we do our next bet? Yeah, let's do, let's do the next bet. So we can keep pace here. <laughs> uh, Game time is a sponsor we talked about. Uh, for the first time recently. I used it yesterday. Yeah. Yep. To get tickets. To get tickets. The whole idea behind Game Time is it's an app. And if you're just kind of stressed out trying to buy like specifically hard to find or last minute tickets. Right. Where you just have an idea. Oh, someone's in town. Let's go to this game. And then you think these are going to be impossible to get, at, right. you know, day of or night before. Game Time, that's kind of their specialty. That they can help you hunt down the best price. Um and last minute tickets or difficult to find tickets. I'll tell you for uh, for say Twins get also you know you're looking for cheap tickets to get into a game. A lot of times vendors like this, like especially game time, will give you tickets lower than you can get them right. at the box office, right? Because people have bought tickets, they can't go to see them. You know the weekend, the weather looks crummy this weekend. You still want to catch a game? I got tickets to the Twins game yesterday for three bucks. Mm-hmm. They were listed for three bucks. No, there's fees on there. It ultimately came up to about ten bucks, but. I mean, that's much cheaper than it would be going straight to the box office. Game Time app absolutely has that available for you. They have deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get flash deals, football, basketball, baseball, but also like concerts and theater and comedy shows and stuff. And they have a Game Time guarantee that you'll always get the best price. So if you find tickets in the same section in the right. same row and they're less somewhere else, they'll credit you 110%. Uh, of the wow. difference yeah it's, I mean, it's I, the I, fastest I, I, growing ticketing app in the entire country uh you can get like pictures of your seat before you buy it like yep. the the Absolutely. view from your yes. seat yep. that, which it, is always good that's on the listing actually yep. <laughs> and it's yep. always right. super easy you get the tickets directly sent to your phone so snag tickets without the stress uh with game time you download the game time app you create an account and then you just use the promo code gleeman and you get 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, you create the account on GameTime app. Redeem the code Gleeman for $20 off. Just download GameTime today for last-minute tickets. Lowest price, guaranteed. Our second sponsor is BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com. We're big fans of BetterHelp in part because you know, we are fans of therapy. <laughs> We're Twins fans. And also... Uh, 
they are somebody that once you made the difficult decision to go and try and help yourself with some therapy, you don't want to have to face all the obstacles that are in the, are in the way of that therapy. Right. If you want to do a video chat, you can do that. If you say, I don't want to be on camera, you can do a phone call. If you say, I don't want to talk to me on the phone, you can do a live chat where you right. type to a actual therapist, right. a real therapist yeah. that can it's, help you with whatever you need. To, it's easy to switch therapists. It's easy to find a time for a therapist. Yes. It's easy to, it's more affordable than in-person it, therapy. It removes right. a lot of the barriers for entry. If you just wake up one morning and you think to yourself, I've been bugged by this thing in my life. I really would love to talk to somebody. It can be difficult to set up through traditional means uh, or methods to visit a therapist. You're not going to see one the next day. Yes. <laughs> With <laughs> right. better help, yeah, right. you can actually schedule something within 48 or 72 hours right. often, and you can tailor it to however you're comfortable doing it. Right. And they're offering uh, Gleeman and the Geek listeners a special deal. You can discover your potential with BetterHelp, visit betterhelp.com slash Gleeman today to get 10% off your first month. Month That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Gleeman. Okay. Uh, Tyler Malley. <laughs> so <laughs> now an elbow is not a shoulder. Right. But we are back at the same place with Tyler Malley that we were at the end of last season and all off season and coming into spring training. And I know me harping on uh, his readiness and, um, you know, his inability to or unwillingness to sort of discuss this topic in any sort of meaningful way and just always say I'm fine. And the whole velocity readings thing, which I track so relentlessly throughout (laughs) spring training that I know uh, some people on Twins Reddit had a running joke they were like uh you know gleeman doesn't even believe tyler malley still has a right arm <laughs> right. uh but the point of it was you know he after they acquired him at the trade deadline in a significant trade i mean they gave up three pretty yep. good prospects to get him um he made a couple starts for the twins where he looked good he exited his third start throwing uh, 86 miles an hour with uh, shoulder fatigue they called it yep Sat out some time, came back, immediately exited another start with the same issue. And every time when we would talk to him post game or in between games or even after he was placed on the injured list, by the way, he, he was on the injured list with the Reds with shoulder problems a month before the Twins traded him, too. Right. And every time he would say, Yeah, I feel good. No problems. A little time off. I'll be good to go. Right. You know, you'd say, Well, what happened to the velocity? Yeah, just, just didn't, ball wasn't coming out right, whatever. And it quickly became apparent that Tyler Malley is not a reliable narrator uh, in his own injury situation. And I bring this up because he looked pretty good for the first four starts of this season. And he looked pretty good throughout spring training when he was peppered with dumb questions about velocity and shoulder stuff by yours truly every time. pretty good for the first few innings of the He looked pretty good for the few innings. Although looking back, there were a couple of – he was throwing 94 and then he'd throw 90. Right. And then he'd throw 93, and there was a, l- a few little red right. flags there. And then he came out for the fourth inning, and it was immediately apparent, ooh, he's 90-91. And then by the end, it was 88-89. Now, he struck out the last guy he faced, which is amusing, right. um, but was removed between the fourth and the fifth inning uh, for Brock Stewart, who we're going to talk about shortly here, yep. who had a great debut for the twin Twins debut. Uh, and then they announced uh, elbow soreness posterior elbow soreness which means 
the kind of back of the elbow. Right. And he stuck around post game to talk about it. And I should read you the. Uh, <laughs> I'll just read you the quote. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Let me. Let me uh, I can imagine how it's going to go. Yeah. Let me. I, I don't want to misrepresent him. <laughs> right. Um, about how he's talking Myla, about him. Tyler Malley post game. Uh, the first question was basically, when did you notice something was wrong? Uh-huh. And he said, in the fourth inning, it didn't feel great. So I think that's when we decided that we'll probably just take me out and be smart about it. Uh, it was feeling pretty good up to that point and then just got a little worse. Uh, someone said, well, did you get an MRI? Or are you going for imaging? Whatever. And he said, nah, just just inflammation. No one's really concerned about it. So we just sit back for a few days, let it calm down, and should be fine. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking. I'm betting he's getting an MRI, first of all. Yes. Uh, I'm just sitting here thinking, I've heard this before. This is the third or fourth different time. First of all, he's made nine starts for the Twins now. And he's left three of them mm-hmm. in the early innings throwing 80-something miles an hour. Right. And after everyone, he gives the same thing. And I'm not ripping him for that. It's just his approach to injuries, obviously. Maybe he believes this. Right. I don't know. But I just the reason I was so obsessed about Mally's status throughout the offseason when people were like, you know, he's, oh, what an amazing third starter or fourth starter. And I just kept saying, how can you know? And people were like, should they try to sign Mally to a long-term extension? And I'm like, how can you possibly do that? Mm-hmm. You have no clue his health. Uh, and even during spring training, I would ask him, how are you feeling? He'd go, I feel fine. Why are you, why are you asking me? Like, basically. Um, but my thing with arm injuries is unless you can tell me what was wrong, and or you can tell me what has been done in an attempt to stop it from being wrong, you're just flipping coins every time you go out there as yeah. to whether it will reappear. Now, this is a different injury. Yeah, and I mean, they have said, you know, in terms of addressing things with the shoulder, they it's, a, it's, right. a, it's not about a medical procedure. It's about, you know, reinforcing and right. managing Durability and, and fatigue right. yeah. and that sort of thing. It's about a workout, right. right. Uh, but, you know, I will be absolutely shocked if he doesn't also go on the IL. He clearly doesn't think he will need right, to go right, on the IL. Yes, correct. But, you know, it, I just – you have to – we've talked about this a lot with, you know, the unreliable narrator idea. Buxton, same thing with his, oh, I'm good to go. Right. Well, yeah, you watch him some days last year. He couldn't walk to his locker, so is he good to go? And I think that's one of the things that – is so counter to the perception of Baldelli, this, you know, Doc Rock, uh, mm-hmm. ultra careful, all that stuff. I'm not saying some of that isn't true, but he's dealing with in a lot of these cases, whether it's Maeda now, whether it's Buxton last year, whether it's Maui now, whether it's whoever, fill in the blank. These are not moral failings, but there are just certain players who just tell you, I'm good to go. Right. And you're in charge of the team and the losses go on your, your record. Right. And, if Tyler Malley has left 33% of his starts throwing 85 miles an hour with shoulder and now elbow problems, and every single time he tells you, I'm good to go, I can start in five days, do you continue to do that? Or do you just kind of throw up your hands and say, we're taking this out of his power. We're taking this right. out of his hands. Right. And I think that's – they almost have to take that approach with Tyler Malley. <laughs> I mean, now you've had a guy who – Going back, I mean, they to, didn't take that approach with Maeda, and it seems very similar. Right, I'm just I, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. The whole thing is now. Look, I, I also think I'll be I'll be actually a little. I would not be surprised if he does not go on the injured list. Yeah, it's uh, just uh, I mean, it feels to me like exactly the sort of thing you would put somebody on the injured list. You say, <laughs> yeah. listen, he's got tendonitis. 
you know, that, or something yeah, right. like that. You know, he's got some inflammation. Now, maybe right. that maybe it's that simple. Maybe it's just, yeah, he's got some tendonitis around the elbow, something like that. I just, right? from a, even setting aside the injury component, how can you continue to roll the dice with a guy who a third of the time has to leave in the third inning? Uh, and is not particularly effective in those spots. Now, he didn't get crushed here, right. but there were uh, – in Chicago, the second time he left last year, right. he gave up a grand slam before leaving. Like, you know, we talk so much. There's so much emphasis placed on short starts and all that. How can you continue to put a starter out there who it's a crapshoot whether he'll make it to the fourth inning? Well, what I wonder about is if they – I wonder if it's going to be similar to Maeda in that, uh, yeah, we want, need him to skip a start. But we don't want to put him on the IL because then he's got to skip two starts, yeah, right? Or three, sometimes, or, or, or yeah. potentially three, right? It's Fifteen um, days it's for pitchers, ten days for position players. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So the math turns out like officially that could be three starts. Yeah. But usually two, two and two bump starts. back yeah, the third right. one. Basically. Bump back a third one. Right. You get an off day in there or something. Right. Um. It feels to me like they'd be like, well, you know, can we call up? You know, Varland, who, by the way, also pitched yesterday, so he's exactly on the same schedule as Malley right now. Can we call him Varland for one day, do without our long reliever for one day, keep him out there? That, by the way, is sort of a – I didn't really thought about that. That is one of the sort of somewhat advantages of having a a long reliever uh, kind of built into your roster as a plan is that it doesn't mean like, oh, we'll just skip with a long reliever for one day and then we can get we can call a guy up, send him back down and as, sure. and not put somebody on the IL, which I don't think was part of their plan no. or anything like that, but it's worked out that way a couple of times now. It adds flexibility, <laughs> but I just would say what I often say in these spots, which is to what end? To what benefit? Like, right. what is the best case scenario there? That He's, He starts in 10 days as opposed to 15. Right. That's right. And, and the worst case scenario is... He sits on the active roster for 10 days. Right. You play shorthanded, and then either he makes a start and again leaves early right. and possibly makes the injury worse, or 10 days in, throws a bullpen wow. session, and they go, up. Oh, actually, he's not going to be uh, able to make the start. I'll add to that. I agree with you, first of all, right? That that is that, that, makes, that makes no sense. That doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense, although I think that's what they've kind of been doing. The other thing point there is that the worst case scenario is I've got Louis Varlin making an extra start instead of Tyler Malley. Right, which and is not even clear that that's much it, of a downgrade at cl- all. It's not clear that right. that's any They're downgrade. in a very, right. uh, like, r- rare position that yeah, as soon as... one thing you're calling up, yeah, you I mean, know... Uh, Chi-Chi Gonzalez. Or, <laughs> right, we always right, use him as the example. <laughs> right, I'm sorry. Exactly, but, right, you know, yeah, Andrew right. Elbers or right. whoever the hell it is. Johan Pino, whoever it is. But as soon as Maeda shows any signs... I mean, we were talking about this... With the ankle injury a week ago, right. which is just shut him down and let Ober start, who might be better at this point, right. honestly. Like, right. realistically, even setting aside the injuries, he might just be a better pitcher. Right. And it's the same thing with Mally and Ober and or Louis Varlin, right. who 90% of Major League teams, Ober would be in the rotation and probably... 80% of Major League teams, Louis Varlin would be in the rotation. And for some of those teams and some recent Twins teams, they'd be like the third starter on some of these teams. These are good, especially in Ober's case, proven middle of the rotation caliber right. Major League starting right. pitchers. And I would argue that Louis Varlin is 
Yes. You know, well, Agreed. not as proven, certainly has shown nothing to suggest he won't be a quality major league starting pitcher, has made six starts. All of them have been five plus innings and, and reasonably decent, including two at Yankee Stadium. Like there is no there is no you're right. There's just not a lot of downside at all. Right. For just being aggressive now, about getting these guys on the IL and and hopefully getting them healthier. I'm poking the bear by linking these two things back, but it goes back to our stupid discussion (laughs) at the beginning, which I'm taking full responsibility for. But my point there was, other than just picking on you and being ornery, as I always am, but that individual days off for position players in a 162-game season are such marginal differences that they have really no – like the idea of – Michael Taylor's going to sit sure. and Nick Gordon's going to play right. is, you know, you're you're so thinly slicing that it, it .00 runs and it's the randomness wipes that out anyway. And so extending that, I would say, what is the difference, you know, functionally between a couple of Tyler Malley starts in late April or early May and a couple of Louis Varlin starts in late April and early May? Maybe – if you really think highly of one and low of the other, right. it's you know, point one runs per start or something like that. And I'm not saying that's not important. Those are the margins that you fight for right. by platooning, by pinch hitting, by sure. doing moves and all that stuff, choosing the right reliever. But randomness almost takes care of all that anyway. And I think you can make the argument, certainly in the case of Ober and Maeda, that Ober is actually giving them an advantage uh, based Compared to a 35-year-old current Maeda, right. now it's a moot point because of the injury. And so when I look at you know, the Maeda situation and now what I perceive as coming with the Mali situation, we'll find out more today because I'm sure he's going to go for an MRI and all that stuff. So they'll maybe have some more details right. today or tomorrow. But I'm certain that Ober is going to replace uh, Maeda, and I'm pretty confident that Varlin is going to p- replace Mali. It does fit just way too well. And I just think, (laughs) why avoid that? Yeah, why not just put him on the IL? Well, yeah, I mean, you can wait a day or two. It's not going to matter, especially with starters. Varlin isn't going to be available. And the the one tricky thing, which I should clarify, is you might say, well, why not immediately put Maeda on the IL and call up some random reliever reliever, so so at least you have a fresh arm? You essentially got nine-man bullpen for a few days. You could do that. that. Yeah. But the only way Ober can get back to the majors now, this week, before his 15-day send-down period is, is if a player goes on the IL and he's the corresponding move. An injury placement wipes away the waiting period to call a guy back up. You've got to to spend 10 days in the minors once you're demoted, right? 15, I think. For pitchers? They changed it to try to... Okay, the same thing as with the IL? Yeah, to try to stop teams from cycling through why Cole Sands hasn't been up. He's been in the minors for six months, it seems All like. All right, okay. Uh, he's eligible tomorrow. But uh, <laughs> the, the point there and the reason that's relevant is if you were to today or yesterday even put Maeda on the IL immediately and call up you know whatever reliever you want to call up, long reliever, short reliever, right. whoever, then when you need a starter three days from now or four days from now to replace him in the rotation – you can't call up Ober because Ober's waiting period uh, is not up. Not he has to be linked I to Maeda's it. going on uh, the IL uh, to call him back up. Yeah, and the yeah, same yeah. thing will happen with Maui right. and Louis Varlin, too, because right. that hasn't been 15 days. It's been close to 15 Pretty days. Close but. To 15 days. So, you know, we talk so much all offseason about their rotation depth and the importance of that. And we also 
have made a running joke over a decade now about the idea that there's no such thing as too much starting pitching depth. And right. this is such a great example of that. Right. They had so much quality depth that everyone agreed on in spring training after making the January trade for Pablo Lopez that it was a foregone conclusion that if no one got hurt in Fort Myers, Bailey Ober was going to start the season – in the AAA rotation. Right. There's a guy with 30-something major league starts and a 3-something ERA, 26 years old, improving, had a great spring, was probably their best pitcher all spring. But the, it was they told him that before he got to camp, Baldelli sat down with him and said, I don't want this to be any confusion. I don't want you to feel like you were misled here. There are five guys ahead of you on the rotation depth chart. Right. If none of them are hurt, you're the sixth, and right. we're not keeping you as a long reliever because they think it from a health standpoint, but developmentally they want to keep them starting. And then they have their back-to-back minor league pitcher of the year <laughs> right. who made five starts in September and more than held his own in Louis Varland. And he wasn't even in the rotation mix at all. Right. Uh, he was, you know, you're going to be in the triple-A rotation completely and you probably won't even be the first guy called up when we need help Correct. because right. Bailey Ober's there. Right. And now we didn't even make it through April. <laughs> and they've dipped into their sixth starter Bailey Ober, right. and probably their seventh starter, Louis Varland. And yeah, we've also seen Simeon Woods Richardson. We've also seen Simeon Richardson. <laughs> throw 97 pitches. Basically make a start out of the bullpen. Right, right. And so it's it's not ideal. And Brent Hedrick also threw a bunch. Brent Hedrick is good. Pitches, right. um, but this shows the value of that. And it also shows the value of not trying to map everything out. Not saying – well, when is Bailey Ober going to get an opportunity? When is blah, blah, blah? And I think this kind of applies to Alex Kirloff now, which is in everyone's mind, if Alex Kirloff is not in the big league lineup next week, he's never going to be in the big league lineup again. Right. But it's a very similar situation, which maybe we'll finish up talking about here, which is there are left-handed hitters in front of him on the depth chart at all three of the positions he could play, much right. like there were five starters right. ahead of Bailey Ober right. in the rotation depth chart. And so he was six, but... Almost immediately, he's been needed, and so so you're arguing this is why you don't want to just throw Kepler away because you might need him for the depth. <laughs> is what you're you're, a, you're sh- stirring the pot today, John. <laughs> I wonder sometimes if John sees me walk in and just tells from body language he's like even ornier, 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 or ornerier. Yeah. I don't want it to be confused with horny because John ain't getting that look from me. Hopefully, who knows what John's into? <laughs> and he thinks oh, just um, but so yeah, just to finish up on on. The starting pitching. Very obviously not a good situation. Right. It sucks for the individual players. Of course. Especially, I would say, in Maeda's case, who, you know, realistically, he's a smart guy. He's seeing that this potentially could be near the end of the line right. here if this goes south. Um, and I think that probably plays a part into him fighting to keep pitching because sure. you know, he just missed two years. But even with Maui, too, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Maui is an impending free agent. Right. If healthy, he's going to get a hundred million dollars. If not healthy, he ain't going to get thirty million dollars. Right. And so it's a it's a crossroads from him. And while he may not be the most forthcoming person talking about his injuries, that doesn't mean emotionally it's not as frustrating for him, right. or he's not as worried about it. And so it sucks for them. It also just sucks for the team to start the season thinking pretty good seven starters. And not even make it through the end of April and say, now we have five starters. And the next time someone goes down, it's Brent Hedrick or Simeon Woods Richardson or Aaron Sanchez Sanchez or whoever. Now, those guys are not bad 
ninth, tenth, eleventh, right. whatever starters. They're right. not even bad six starters, but they're not standouts in that role. Right. Whereas Ober is an exceptional six starter. Varlin is an exceptional seven starter. Except now they're the fourth and fifth starter. Right. But I will say, you know, they're really Ober is an overqualified fourth starter. Right. I think. Louis Varlin is going to prove to be an overqualified fifth starter. The rotation can still be a major strength for the Twins if you basically have Pablo Lopez, Sonny Gray, and Joe Ryan as your front three, who have yes. all looked phenomenal this right, season. Right. We didn't even mention Sonny Gray through seven shutout against the Yankees. He, <laughs> right, he yes. looked fantastic, Sonny Gray. And then Bailey Ober as your fourth starter and Louis Varlin yeah, as your fifth that's starter. That's still a really strong rotation. Yes. Uh, but you just have but, lost all your margin for error there. Right. At that point, once you get past them, it's not clear that everybody is going is going to be a major league starter, which happens. Right. Like it happens every year that you get guys who aren't. They really, won't be ready to do that. Now, right. a year from now, a major league caliber right. starter, or maybe you know, there are bigger there are bigger risks. There are coin right. flip starts, as right. we saw right. in the past few years. I but. would put all five of those guys as you know, average or better. Yeah, uh, in I terms agree. Of a starter, right? I agree. Uh, after that, I don't have the same confidence. I mean, it's not. Listen, you said Hedricks looked good. Simon Woodridge doesn't look, although he has not looked great in St. Paul. Uh, but um, you know, then you're getting to Jose De Leon, you're getting to Aaron Sanchez, right. you're getting to. Well, then you're just in the same situation all teams are in, which is right. their seventh, right. eighth, ninth right. starter are you know, right. kind of a mixed so, bag. So what I would argue then is, what you want to do then is lean into that depth now. And use yes. that time to get those guys healthy. Right. This is the other I, – I completely agree. I'm glad you made that point, which is even if you do think – and I don't think you can really believe this. But even if you do think the Maeda thing is pretty minor at this point and not a huge cause for concern. Right. Maybe I'm just overreacting. And, and you think the same with Maui. You agree with Maui that it's no big deal and he can make his next start and all right. that. Give him a month. Right. Why <laughs> right. not right. shut him down for 15 days and reevaluate right. precautionarily – I don't yep. even know if that's a word. It's a better word than ornery, ornery, whatever. <laughs> Bush mouth. They're everywhere. all better words than that right yeah. now at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and like you said, lean into the depth that you have available while you have it available. Yeah. And I don't mean that Ober and Varlin are going to turn into pumpkins here, but Ober's got injury history of his own. Sure. Yep. Varlin's got six career starts and... Right now, Pablo Lopez, Sonny Gray, and Joe Ryan are healthy and clicking and thriving. They can carry a rotation a little bit with the way they're performing. Why not lean into that depth as your fourth and fifth spots while the top three are going well so that hopefully – You might be fine if it was Dylan Bunny and Chris Archer in the fourth and fifth spot right now. (laughs) get crazy. They're both available, I think. Chris Archer is definitely available. I think Dylan Bunny Somebody signed a triple A deal with somebody. But uh, Okay. I just – one more thing and then we'll – Read our last sponsors, but I guess we kind of we kind of mentioned this, which is next next man up for the rotation after Ober and Varlin is probably Hedrick, right. given that he's been stretched out as a long reliever and he's looked pretty good in a couple of long relief outings. Uh, again, Brent Hedrick as a fifth starter is not the worst thing in the no, world. You just right. don't really have a right. great deal of confidence what you're going to get because you haven't seen it. Then Simeon Woods Richardson probably after that. Yeah. In part because both Josh Winder and Jordan Balzavic have been shifted to the bullpen, right. which I have some notes on Winder. We talked to him yesterday. I can maybe yeah. fill in some blanks there. Um, but in a, you know, trying to find a silver lining here, you know, so much of this year's rotation, three fifths of it, is impending free agents: Gray, right. Maui, yep. Maeda. Right. And the whole question was, well, it's good now, but what do they do next year? Right. What do they do the year after that? Well, now you've got 
Pablo Lopez signed for four years. You have Joe Ryan under team control for that same length. Yep. Uh, and now you've added Ober, who, right. yep. if healthy and pitch like he has, could be a three-plus-year starter. Right. And then Louis Varlin hasn't even basically started his career yet. Right. And so there is – if these guys hold their own in place of the two injured guys, it, there is sort of a – Nice bonus, which is you can start to kind of envision what next year's yeah. rotation or the 2025 rotation. The downside is that uh, if Mally or Maeda don't perform really well, there's no chance of them getting a qualifying offer. Well, that's true. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so as a I result would say of that's that, probably out the window with Maeda already. It feels but. that way for Maeda already. Maybe uh, Okay. Before we talk about uh, Kirloff and the lineup and a couple of bullpen notes, let's do our last sponsor. Let's talk about trivia. Yeah, this is a fun one. So our friend and uh, my. Uh, Fellow beat writer yep. on the Twins beat, Do Young Park, two-time Jeopardy contestant, one of our favorite guests, one of my favorite people, just a <laughs> tremendously smart, weird person who is great. <laughs> right. uh, he is sort of uh, becoming a trivia guru around town. Yeah. And I, this is his first like hosting yes. thing. He's going to be the Alex Trebek of this. of it's Cheating is tri- trivia for cheaters. Okay, so this event is May 25th from 6 to 9. It's at a, a, brew, a brew pub, not brew pub, uh, tap room, Ladonia Cerveceria in Minneapolis, which is uh, just which is west of downtown, like maybe, and the, and the maybe twins half a mile, are, something like that. Are off that night, and the twins are off that night. And it's for a, it's a fundraiser. It's for a fundraiser for eight two six MSP, which is a nonprofit youth writing center located in South Minneapolis, serving about thirteen hundred kids every year on a mission to amplify stories and power of K to twelve Black, Indigenous, and students of color through writing, publishing, and leadership programs. So they have this big fundraiser. It's a trivia contest, just like other trivia contests. Here's why but, it's called trivia for cheaters, right? Which is if you don't know the answer to something. You can basically pay money <laughs> right. to get the answer. Right, that's and then right. the money that everyone pays to do better in the trivia right. goes to the charity. Yeah, you can do things like um, I'll give an extra 10 bucks to the charity and that will allow me to, as a result of that, I get to look on my iPhone for 10 yeah. minutes or for the answer clue to this or, or something, something like that. Like this, yeah. right? I so get to make a phone call. <laughs> it's uh, pub-style st- pub trivia, general knowledge, you know, sports, movies, history, all that stuff. Twins Beat Riders are participating. Yeah. We're going to have yeah. at least one team, maybe two teams, Twins Beat Riders. There, you can make so. teams up to five players to join in. Uh, you can raise money for charity. You can have some fun. You can drink some beers. You can right. meet John. You can meet Doe. That's pose right. with a pic- I saw some the other day. Somebody posed for a picture with Doe. It was mm-hmm. amazing. Um, and uh, to go there, you sign up for your team and to learn more, you go to 826MSP, 826MSP.org, and you click on the tab for Trivia for Cheaters. And if listeners of Gleeman and the Geek can enter the code Gleeman when registering, and your team gets a hundred and two uh, gets $250 in cheat in, cash. In cheat cash. I like people using my name to cheat. I like that. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's going to be a, I've been a doing blast. That for I'm years. really looking forward to yes. putting, putting our team together. 826MSP.org. The uh, Do Young Park hosted you, trivia. You, you can try and take that. What, what's our name? The May twenty fifth. What's our trivia team name? The scribes. The uh, unwashed scribes. The un, no. What is it? Something. But whatever the team was. We won the, in Fort Myers. We won several times in Fort Myers. Yeah. You got to take us down. But that might have been thanks to the Boston <laughs> writers. They kind of stepped up. Nah. Uh, and our last sponsor is uh, My Bookie, which uh, MOB is back in full swing. My Bookie is going to be your one stop shop. For all your betting needs with a wide range of betting options, including money lines, run totals, totals, futures, 
MyBookie gives you plenty of ways to bet on your favorite teams and players. You can also take advantage of our brand new MyBookie money bag, which gives you the chance to secure a bet on your favorite team or player at insanely boosted odds. You just sign up today at MyBookie and you use the promo code Gleeman to secure a first deposit bonus of up to 1000 bucks. It's simple. Deposit 200 bucks and play with 300 bucks instantly. Just use the promo code Gleeman to claim your bonus. So if you're a baseball fan looking to add a little excitement to the season, look no further. My bookie, sign up now. Get ready to experience the thrill of baseball betting <laughs> like never before. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. My bookie. Okay. Uh, we talked a lot about pitching. So let's, I guess, shift and finish up here. I, I would like to hear about Winder. Okay, Tell so me a little bit about Winder. well, Winder was activated from the IL. I've then, been puzzled by what they've been doing with him, and then joined the team yesterday. Right. So we talked to him pregame. Um, he's always pretty good spirits, but he seemed enthusiastic uh, about the move to the bullpen. Yes, in kind of both possible ways. One of which is he's just dealt with shoulder problems now for three straight years, right. and it's. At some point, I mean, we 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 fielded a question like this. I think about on the the Patreon about you know what happens when a pitcher doesn't want to move to the bullpen when they want to move a starting pitcher to the bullpen. What happens? And I think this is a pretty good example of how it often goes, which is a lot of times it's moved for health reasons. Yes. And the at that at some point the players as desperate to just play. Right. As they can be, and they they recognize themselves. I'm not getting to play. Yeah, I mean, trying to be a starter. Typically, the two ways that a starting pitcher or a young starting pitcher, starting pitcher prospect gets moved to the bullpen are health, in that they just can't right. stay healthy or haven't been able to stay healthy from a durability standpoint, as with a starter routine and workload, or performance, or it right. can be both. But in both cases, it might take a while, not with Josh Winder, but just in general, for the pitcher to kind of give up what the initial plan was in their head. Right. I'm going to be a major league starter. But, or they take a look at their ceiling is not going to be what right. they thought it was going or to be. they're spending right. time on the aisle and they're seeing their their you know similar prospects, right. younger prospects, pass right. them up, which is the case of Josh Winder. Right. Like Josh Winder has been sitting on the aisle for most of the past. Varlin has passed him. He, right. yeah, he, was, he was in Varlin's spot last yeah. year. Right. So, but he seemed uh, in good spirits. He was glad to be obviously back in the majors. He kind of talked – two ways about it. One is he said, you know, I've had a lot of shoulder problems and I've had to kind of try to adjust my routine and do exercises and strengthening to to combat it. And yet as a starter, I go out there and I throw five innings or whatever, 75 pitches. And then like for two or three days afterward, I feel terrible. And he said, you know, I haven't been a reliever for that long, but even rehabbing this injury as a reliever, which he has been in the minors recently with St. Paul, he threw three innings, 35 pitches the other day. Uh, he said, there's none of that. I throw right. a couple of innings right. and, you know, I ice my arm and all that, but it's not 72 hours of, oh my God, I feel terrible. Well, that's, yeah, that's a whole other aspect I hadn't really thought about. You know, not just, you know, watching your career kind of miss miss you, but just the fact that, oh, I also get to spend that time in physical pain. Right. <laughs> and I, yeah, I mean, it's right. not, maybe not excruciating pain, but I mean, starters do have an entire routine, even if they're healthy. The day right. after, right. they're going for this therapy or they're right. wrapping their shoulder or they're going for ice right. or they're getting a massage. And then the day after that, they're hoping that they feel good enough to throw off flat ground. Right. And then three days after that, you throw a bullpen. I mean, there's this whole routine to keep you able to throw 90 pitches every five days. Right. And throwing, you know, I think he's going to initially start out in more of a 
I don't want to say long relief, but multi-inning he's relief. He's taking the long relief spot, spot on the I, roster. I don't, I don't know don't that he's going to throw like four or five yeah. innings like but Hedrick. I, but I don't see another long reliever right. on I the think roster. it'll be two or three innings, which yeah. is kind of how they've been using him on the right. rehab assignment. So, you know, 30 to 50 pitches, something yeah. like that. Well, that's what kind of interested and me. And the, the bounce back from that is just going to be different than the bounce back for twice that much right. uh, work. And then beyond that, I you know, I asked him from like a pitch mix standpoint, does moving to the bullpen because he throws four pitches essentially, but his slider is probably his best pitch, and he throws a you know mid nineties fastball, but it's not had a ton of success as a starter. So as a you know, if he's purely a reliever, right. and you just said what do you think he'll throw as a reliever? I would say eventually he'll settle on fastball slider, right. and the fastball you hope be ninety seven instead of ninety five, and the slider you know he can throw it fifty percent of the time instead of thirty percent of the time. Just the the sort of the pitch mix required in a reliever is just much different than it is in a starter. You're only going through the lineup once. You can right. do max effort, all that stuff. But he said, basically, I'm so new to relieving, and I'm still kind of feeling my way out. Am I going to be a long reliever? Am I going to be a short reliever? Am I going to, you know, all this stuff. And I'm still rehabbing the injury, right. by the way, until a couple of days ago. That he said, you know, as far as I know, the plan is for me to still have the four-pitch mix. Now, matchup-wise or just feel the game-wise, maybe – after a couple of weeks of relieving, you can look at my numbers and see, oh, he has amped up the slider and tailed down the you know right. changeup or whatever. But it's not a situation that you see with some relievers where where they go, you're moving from the the rotation to the bullpen a limit like with Griffin Jacks. Right, you're going to become a reliever now. Your fastball slider and right. the occasional changeup. At least initially here, and in part because he's going to be a multi inning reliever, I think he's going to continue with the same mix. But I I, I get the sense. He's curious, and like Baldelli and the Twins are curious to see, will there be a Griffin Jack style effect or right. a Glenn Perkins style effect right. where all of a sudden he's added a mile and a half to his fastball or the slider's got a little bit more bite, whether it's in game or because of the recovery aspect that we just talked about. So I'm uh, there's a lot of I listen. I'm excited to see him back here. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm interested to see what happens. I'm glad I kind of get to see it live because it's happening here as opposed to St. Paul. Yeah, but I'm puzzled by this. Like, on the one hand, it means you're getting rid of the – I think you're more or less getting rid of the long relief role for a while, which is fine. They, they can do that, right? I mean, he's still going right? to – he'll throw two or three in. Yeah, he'll, he'll throw – but, he, you know, I think his high in pitches in St. Paul was like 36 or Well, yeah, but he was right? on right. a rehab. Right, exactly, yes. right. Um, I'm surprised that they're not working out, okay, here's what your picks mix, pitch mix should be. Here's what your velocity is going to be and stuff. That stuff at St. Paul as opposed to doing it here in the majors. Well, they um, also just know, needed a fresh arm. Well, I mean, they do. Well, half that, that, the guys well, weren't that, eligible to be called up. Well, that's what yeah. I'm wondering. Is that is Hedrick, there, is, Sands, etc., Simeon Woods Richardson, they had been sent down to recently to be called right. back what, up. Was, is he up here? That was kind of what I was thinking about. It's like I haven't I haven't taken a look at when everybody was sent down, when they're thinking who's on the 40-man roster and who's not. Is it just sort of like, well, you know, he, we've got a, a guy on the 40-man roster and he's healthy-ish. <laughs> well, right, he's, right, he right. was nearing the end of the right. window for rehab, right. so you were either going to have to put him on the major league roster right. or option him to triple A. Right. Here's what I'll say. I'm not suggesting that he's like locked into a bullpen spot. I actually think there's a decent chance he just gets kind of thrown into the mix with all these guys we just mentioned. Right. Simeon Richardson, Hedrick, Sands, etc., which is 
he'll stay up for a week or two. Right. And depending how many innings he throws or how often he's needed to mop up or long relief, he'll get option to AAA just as these guys have, and then the next guy will come up. Yeah. So I, I think it's likely – now, he can pitch his way into a permanent spot, obviously. He's got more upside sure, as sure, a reliever than, right. than all those guys. Absolutely. But you know, he's got more experience in the majors too so far, even though he's been injured. But it wouldn't surprise me if he's just – one more name added to the revolving door for that last bullpen spot, okay. basically. Yeah, that's that's that makes sense to me. Uh, but I would rather have a, if there was a guy who's available who can throw sixty pitches or eighty pitches because we've got yeah. You know, now we've got you know three fairly reliable starters coming up the next three days, so maybe they sort through that on the off day on Monday. I don't know. Uh, okay, let's talk about some hitters here. Um, like we talked about at the very beginning, the lineup is actually showing some signs of life. Yeah. Buxton, aside from that 0 for 15 or whatever he was after he had the collision against the White Sox, has been phenomenal before that and yes. now phenomenal yeah. since then. A number of, like almost every extra base hit he's had this year has been a huge one. He hit uh, three, uh, Homer last night to right center, which you do not right. see yes. from, right. from right handed hitters right. very often at Target Field. Uh, off Granky. That was a blast. Glenn Perkins said uh, post game to Baldelli, Did you know Byron had that in his bag? And uh, like he could do that. Right. And Baldelli said, Byron's got everything in his bag. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think, uh, I was trying to remember what, uh, one Sunday game last year, he talked about uh, Buxton taking a pitch to the right field deck. There yeah. in the middle innings versus a uh, hard uh, lefty with splits or something. I think it was the White Sox game, so he definitely had that in his bag. Um, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, the Twins have. I think this time last week we were talking about how the Twins were 12th or 13th in run score. They're like in basically the American average. Now. They're basically average yeah. right now. Yeah, they're they they're basically have American League average. So they have a 99 eighth, OPS like plus, which 100 yeah. is average. Yeah, so they're right. you know. Yep. A, a double away from right. being average, That's essentially. Right. Yep. Uh, Buxton has been coming up huge. Obviously, the Polanco return has been massive. Unbelievable. Uh, for him to step <laughs> back in after nine months on the sidelines and a setback during spring training right. and, you know, years of ankle and, and now knee problems and, you know, just it, it's hitting one for power, hitting <laughs> singles, clutch, looking to me at least decent defensively. Yeah. Making a great play on that Aaron Judge ball that we talked about earlier. And also just the the added dynamic of a switch hitter who can bat, you know, fifth, third, right. first if they want, second. Uh, you know, it adds a left handed bat, but also now as we've seen, he's looked more dangerous than almost right. ever from the right side, right. which is usually his much, much weaker side, and most of his Big hits so far in the first week back have been from the right side. Now he got yesterday off because he's he played like five or six games sure. in a row. Um, that's going to be part of the plan. But I mean, yeah, he it's it's part of the reason. I always say he's probably the most underrated twin of the last ten years, and yet I find myself underrating him because yep, here right. I am sitting here after watching him for a week make a huge impact and say, "Can you believe the impact he made?" Well, yeah, we should have figured, but there was always the the health question with him, which right. is. Are we getting a healthy Polanco? Or are we similar to the Maeda talk? We've seen him go both ways. Right. Are right. we just getting yeah. Polanco who wants to play? Right. Yeah. Which right. is an issue with Polanco. I mean, it's anytime you add a guy to the lineup and he has a, he posts a thousand OPS yeah. in a, in a week, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it, that's going to be a real right. a real benefit to the lineup. But and they did also, that with Polanco and Gallo sort right, of at right. the same time. You're right. You're right. Coming off the aisle. So I mean that. That might be enough to say that's kind of what's carrying the lineup right now. I think it sure. kind of is what's carrying the lineup. 
But beyond that, I also just love Paul Lanco's style in this lineup. You know, he is not a swing for the swing for the fences kind of guy. Twins have a lot of a lot of home run hitters. Yeah. Uh, they have a lot of slugger types. Buxton is a slugger type. No, he's Gallo a, is a slugger he's type. He's a gap to gap. He's I mean, a first tough. Of all, he's a he's, tough at bat. He's a switch. Yeah, and he's, he might be I, the toughest at bat on this team. Give it. He's definitely late in his career. Not late, but you know, he's in his twenties still. But like early on, he had a very aggressive plate approach right. of a young hitter. But last year, he led the team in walks. He had like sixty-five walks, and he only played like a hundred and five games last right. year. Like he's complete, and he's never been a high strikeout guy. But he's completely changed his kind of plate discipline, yeah. and. You know, doesn't strike out a ton, but does have 20 homer power, hits a lot of gappers, and then, you know, gap to gap, but also just being able to hit from both sides of the plate, the way Baldoli likes to put up a lineup, which he loves to alternate left, right, left, right, well, this opens up all signs of possibilities there, because no matter who is batting before or after Polanco, you're alternating, because he's a switch hitter. That's the beauty of a switch hitter. I mean, he's got, he's got, he he seems to have altered his style to almost be a little more Luis Arise-ish, which is something that felt like we were missing in the first few weeks, partly because we just played Miss Luis Arise, but also just because it felt like we were, uh, you know. The quality of the at-bats was not there early right. in the season. Except that he can also do it now right-handed versus right. left-handed pitchers, which yeah. Arise could never really I'm very do. curious to see if that sustains. You know, I he might have just had 10 good at-bats yeah, right-handed. Right. But, yes, right. I mean, if he's if he's done something or he just feels healthier than he has for a while maybe yep. and he's an impact hitter from the right side we know he's an impact hitter from the left side so that okay. could change a, a whole lot the only real missing hitter at this point you know like Royce Lewis and all that but like the only guy who was in the mix for an opening day spot at any point okay. is Kirilov and yep. Kirilov like Winder uh, and like Polanco has been rehabbing at St. Paul uh, his window for that, which for position players is 20 days, it's 30 days for pitchers, okay. though, is uh, up very shortly, within days. Uh, I forget the actual – it's this weekend. It, I think it's May 1st. Yeah. So that means – Monday. Once that window closes, he can no longer remain on the rehab assignment unless it's determined that he suffered a setback or needs more time, right. which the player has to sign off on. Similar to Winder, once you reach the end of that window, there are two things that can happen. With a veteran player like Polanco, the only choice is you activate them or you release them. Right. They weren't going to release them, obviously. With a player who has options remaining, Winder, Kirloff, etc., the two choices you have are you, you need to activate them from the injured list and end their rehab assignment. You can either do that by placing them on the major league active roster, 26-man roster, or you can just send them via option to AAA, in right. which case they're no longer an injured player. They're no longer a rehabbing player. They're no longer a, a major leaguer sent to trip. They're just a AAA player. They just use an option. Here. Right. That's which the Twins right. did with Kirloff last season, right. too. He spent some time in the majors. He rehabbed, and then they sent him to AAA because they weren't sure where he was at physically, and he was – Triple A player of the year, uh, player of the month for a month, and they called him back up, and his wrist hurt again. So, everything I've been told from the Twins, and I, we talked about this five days ago. I wrote it as a re- more formal report on Friday or whatever it was. Everything I've been told from multiple twin sources is they're leaning towards, you know, if nothing changes in terms of injuries right, which- to other major <laughs> leaguers, which why would we ever assume that'll be the case? But. Uh, 
once he's activated from the injured list, he's more likely to be optioned to AAA than he is to be brought back to the major league roster immediately. And part of me thinks that's a mistake because, A, if he's reasonably healthy, and by the way, he's been crushing the ball at AAA. Yeah. Multiple homer games. I think he's got four or five homers in you know eight games overall yeah. or something like that. I want to see it. I mean, he really has the potential to be great, and I also want to see – you know, does, is that still exist in him, or have right. the wrist problems kind of sapped that from him? He be- has a thirteen twenty six OPS at AAA. Right. right now. I mean, he's been crushing the ball. Now, <laughs> he's what I slugging eight twenty six. What I will caution there is he has not played back to back games. Not many, almost at all. Yeah, only twice. And yeah. often he's been removed after six or seven innings. Yeah. So the idea that they could they are being careful with him. Right. Right. And you know, it's not just being careful, but his performance, if they really think being careful is necessary would suffer if he played back-to-back games. Now, his per-game numbers or his overall numbers are great, but if he'd have played three more games or four more games in there without rest, maybe he has a 600 slugging percentage instead of a billion slugging percentage or whatever. But the bigger issue with him is the same one with Ober, like we hinted at earlier, which is he plays three positions. He's a left-handed hitter, and he plays three positions potentially. First base, which is where they'd prefer to play him, is manned by Joey Gallo. Right who's been one of the Twins' best players and has been fantastic sure. at first base. Left field, which is probably the second place they'd like to play him, is manned by a very similar player in Trevor Larnick, right. who's a little bit older and has a little bit more uh, success in the majors, but is also a former first-round pick and has right. also had some injury problems and has gone through slumps and highs and lows, but for the most part has been pretty decent this year. Yeah, he's been all right. And he's a better defender yep. than Alex Kirilov in left field, in my opinion, at least. And then the third spot that they might play him is right field. And this is where it gets a little trickier, <laughs> which is Max Kepler has been and is, has been the Twins right fielder for, I don't know, seven years now. Right. Uh, I thought he was going to get traded this offseason. I thought they would have been smart to trade him this offseason, almost regardless of what they got back other than shedding his salary, if you can get something for him even better, in part because I thought you want to make room for Larnick. You want to make room for Kirloff. You want to make room for Matt Walner. But they did not do that, and they continue. He batted eighth last night, but they've been batting him leadoff and fourth, and he plays essentially every day against righties. So that's also blocking Kirilov. So the three spots he could play are not only filled, they're filled by left-handed hitters. Right. Uh, One of them, Gallo, ain't going anywhere. One of them, Larnick, is a young player or a you know untested player who's – every bit as deserving of an opportunity to play every day. And then the other one is a guy that for better or worse, the twins just cannot break up with basically. (laughs) I think we've got a, uh, we've got a story coming out. I think it's today from by Lou Hennessy saying, uh, Max Kepler, the twins feel like it's a long Minnesota goodbye. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's it's just a, you've got a, you just got to figure out some way what what is going to happen here. I don't know. <laughs> now, I had this discussion with somebody at Target Field yesterday, so I'll do a quick version of it, which is in my in like my thoughts on Kepler at this point are pretty well known, and I think you're sort of in agree with me on Kepler, but that you know we would have parted ways. Well, I probably would have parted ways in the, the offseason. Right, right. But given the fact that he's on the team now and what you've got, I don't know that I'm – Anxious to get rid of him yet. Right. I'm, I'm fine with Kirilov spending a little more time in AAA. Right. I, I don't think that's like the end of the world or anything. But what I will say is I think this is slightly different than a typical situation 
in that, similar to Ober and Varland, it's unique to have a guy like Ober and Varland at AAA as major league caliber starters that are blocked by five starters because most of the time the guy who are – you might have one guy like that blocked or you might have a right. double A like that. But it's similar with Kirloff and Walner now. They have right. two guys who are kind of chomping at the bit to potentially be long-term guys. Now, they have questions to answer sure. health-wise for Kirloff, strikeout-wise for Walner. Right. But you, you can't answer those questions just at AAA. You just can't. I mean, you could maybe answer the health question from a negative standpoint right. with Kirloff if he re-injures his wrist or something like that. But So I view it a little bit differently than I might under just sort of typical situation, which it's not uncommon for a good young player to be in the minors and to be blocked by a player at his position. But I think it's uncommon to have two such players both crushing the ball at AAA, which Walner is crushing the ball at yeah, AAA. Right. And was a, their minor league player of the got, year last year, Yeah, he's by got the a way. 900 OPS right. or something like that. Right. And both of those guys are major league ready. They're both crushing at AAA. Yeah. And you have Max Kepler, who has not been an above-average hitter for four years now. He's a good defender. He's not a horrible hitter. But I just think and he's been pretty good since he came back from the injury a little bit. He's been fine. Yeah. Uh, OPS plus is still below 100. Oh, yeah. Though. But right. I mean, yeah, yeah, which it it's been it for three years. He's been but below average hitter this year. It's it's one thing if you have a, one pretty good prospect at, at AAA and you think, I'm not going to ditch the mediocre veteran we have. We trust him. Right. We believe in him. We think there's more upside. But I think it, to me at least, it's a slightly different scenario where you have two potentially really good hitters at AAA, both of whom have knocked the shit out of AAA pitching yeah. now, last year and this year. Both of whom are not 21 anymore. Right. Uh, and Kirloff has played in the majors. Walner's got 100 at bats in the majors at this point. And so it's not just Kepler kind of holding off one prospect. Right. It's Kepler holding off or blocking two guys who need to play at some point here or just aren't going to be part of your plans. And right. so that's where I kind of view this situation. And would I dump Kepler now? Well, yeah, here's no, the thing. We, but I would have dumped you, him you, this right. offseason. You don't have to decide now who you're playing for the next five months. <laughs> you have to decide right. now who you're playing tomorrow <laughs> or who's on the roster right. next week, right? I'm perfectly okay with saying we're going to have Kirilov spend some more time until till the point where we feel where he's a comfortable being an everyday player. Right. You know, we, we feel enough confidence in his wrist to be an everyday player. Now, I'd actually – uh, you know, and and that might be mid May. It might be end of May, and then we're just going to have to evaluate where the hell Kepler is at. Yeah, and it might be never. By the way, right? Like, well, it could be. That's also right? a possibility. That's also a possibility. That's a good point. But within that, I do think there's a sort of uh, using up your bullets standpoint. Maybe which is you think how many swings do you want? Him, how many at bats do you want him taking with his wrist in a triple A environment where it's really meaningless? Yeah, could be. I mean. It could be that that's the way it works. It could also be that it gains strength every time that sure. it's happening. That's right? obviously the hope. Yeah. Um, the, on the other hand, you know, the fact that he might need frequent rest does provide sort of a unique opportunity because the problem with finding him room on the Twins isn't finding him a roster space. We've got Willie Castro just sitting there doing, you know. Sure. Right? But the problem with him, having him on the roster is finding him at bats because, as you mentioned, you're giving all these bats to these other guys. Right. Well, it becomes a little bit easier to say, well, we only want this guy taking bats mostly every other day while we get the wrist right. That means that every other day, one of those three guys is going to rest, Gallo or sure, uh, right? So basically, all three of them are playing five out of six games. Or, by the way, <laughs> you could play 
Gallo or Kepler in the out in center field once a week. Well, that's true too. Against a right-handed that's pitcher good and point. sit Michael Taylor. I wondered if we would see that so a couple different times. Yeah, but. I agree with all that. I just I don't know. It's a uh, it's something that was often a talking point with the previous regime, especially early in the Guardy days, where they would develop so much good young talent, especially from the position player right. side, but yeah. also even going back to like Jose Barrios and that, and they would just go out of their way to sign, you know, Juan Castro right. instead of handing the shortstop job to Jason Bartlett yeah. or yeah. Sidney Ponson. It feels a little like and that. And I'm not saying Kepler is at that level, but what I am saying is it should be abundantly clear to even the biggest Max Kepler fans, if such a thing exists at this point, that he is no longer part of their long-term sure. plan. Yeah. And then the question becomes, similar to what we talked about with Maeda even three weeks ago, once a player is no longer part of your long-term plans, the way you evaluate them in the short term should change yeah. because there doesn't yeah, need to right. be as much leeway given right, or as course. much, you know, yeah, he's struggling now, but he's still going to be with us three years from now, sure. so we want to keep investing. It's like how many... How many more quarters do you want to put into this machine to try to get to some end point where you know you're not going to get to the final boss? Right, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's or where not, you're going to get to the point where you break even on the <laughs> right, on the sort of. <laughs> right, yeah, and right. and so, you know, it's it's not a scenario where you can cut. You could trade Kepler, but trading him in April or May is going to be very strange, yeah. and it would be an admission that they should have traded him this offseason, yeah. certainly. And so I'm not here stumping for that, and there are questions to answer. With I'd also suggest there's a much worse market for him now than there used to be, in part not necessarily because of his performance, but because those teams that well, right. were, were – The needs they, have been filled they, they, for they the most been, They've been filled, or they're taking a look at you know the white side. Right, I don't, I'm trying to think of a team that needs a left fielder, the Marlins or something, you know, that maybe was looking at somebody like that, or like, yeah, we know where we're going to be now. You know, Do we really want to spend $8 million to plug right field when we – you know, aren't necessarily well, and, in this thing. By the way, the eight million doesn't do the twins any good now. Right. Yeah, exactly. In right. November, right. they could exactly. have turned around and spent that right. money on something else. Right. But so yeah, I think this that's the scenario that Kirilov is looking at, and to a lesser extent, Walner is looking at because now he's he's in the Louis Vol Walner Volner <laughs> Volner is uh, in the Louis Varland spot. Right. The two Minnesota boys, right. which is like they're they're he's the seventh starter, right? You know yeah, what I mean. Right. Yeah. So he yeah, needs right. yeah. someone to go so that yeah. Kirilov can get he's called the up. Second guy on the bench, right? right. Yeah, so that's right. a very yeah. tricky spot for yeah. a twenty-five-year-old reigning minor league player of the year right. to be in. Yeah. So I don't <laughs> both know. of them. <laughs> uh, let's just finish w with a quick thing on Brock Stewart. Oh yeah, uh, who is a uh, good story? Uh, yes, Brock Stewart was a. Good, but not elite uh, starter prospect right. for the Dodgers, like ten, like eight years ago, let's right. say, and got to the majors and didn't have a lot of success. But you know, pitched a I don't know hundred and something innings for the Dodgers over three different years or something like that. He was uh, kind of a typical starter, you know, low nineties, couple good breaking balls, but he got knocked around for the most part. Right. Then he blew out his arm, and he had Tommy John Tommy surgery, John surgery yep. and then after missing you know a year and a half, two years. His comeback from Tommy John surgery was halted because he had bone spurs in the same elbow. Right. And he had another surgery to remove the debris, basically, from that elbow, which caused him more time on the sidelines. So two years ago, or an offseason and a half ago, the Twins signed him to, which is relatively rare, a two-year minor league contract. Right. Which is often given to players who are rehabbing injuries. Uh, they kind of did that with Pineda with a major league right, contract yeah. uh, four That's years right. ago or That's six right. years ago. 
The idea is we know you're not ready to go yet, but we like your upside. And we feel like if we can get you under our tent here and work with you from a physical standpoint, we can get you healthy, but we don't want to do that for one year. Because if we get you healthy and we get you throwing as well as you ever have, we don't want you then going to sign with some other team. Correct. So you sign them to two-year minor league contract, you guarantee him more money than a typical contract, and it's worked out brilliantly exactly how they could have planned, which is he spent last year kind of getting right physically. He pitched a little bit in the minors but wasn't particularly good. And then this year, even in spring training, people were talking about him as like, keep an eye on this guy. Because right. instead of throwing 91, 92 as a starter with the Dodgers, he was pretty consistent, like 96 to 98 right. uh, in spring training. Right. His spring training performance was good. He didn't make the team out of spring training, which is understandable. Right. And then he went to AAA, and I think he had like a 17 to 2 strikeout to walk ratio in like 10 innings or something like that. And all the reports that they said they got on him were 95 plus consistently with the fastball, good sweeper. Uh, you know, throwing strikes, which had been a problem for him before some of the injuries. And so he gets call up and he makes his twins debut last night. He pitched two scoreless. I think he gave up one hit or something, something like that. Yeah. 30 pitches roughly. Uh, but average fastball, 96. Yep. He got nine swings and misses yep. out of 17 swings, many of them with off speed stuff. Right. Uh, and afterward, he legit. It was great to talk to him afterward because he was basically like, I'm going to be honest. I almost gave up. Of course. Uh, which is. This is a guy who spent three, four years in the ma- ma- majors, you know, struggling. You know, as a, one of the same kind of guys we're kind of talking about, bouncing back and forth. Right. Last guy in the bullpen. They're trying to get something for what they thought he was going to be. Never really got there. Then he ends up getting hurt. He was 24 years old when he hit, hit the majors. He was 27 years old the last time he played in the majors. He's 31 years old now. Right. It's his first so game between, since 2019 in between, the majors. Yeah, since between 27 and and uh, and 31, there's a lot of opportunities to give up. And you're Especially through, when you've spent most of that time rehabbing. Exactly right. Uh, and injury, significant injuries. I, I'm, I was so excited to see him yeah. uh, make the – and. As Baldelli make that start, and I was really excited to see him succeed. In part because I really wanted to see him have a good outing. Like I just thought, right. I just want to, I just want to see that story. But also because, yeah, that they could yeah. add a really important yes. fifth arm so to this bullpen. The quote afterward about Baldelli. It was weird because like most of the post game was about Maui, and right, then someone was like, "Well, Brock Stewart looked pretty good, right?" Yeah. And here's a quote from Baldelli. He said, "Our guys who watched him throw at the Triple A level." We're very, very pleased. He's been pretty dominant there. He came up here and has done more of the same. His stuff looked pretty nasty, so it's nice to add an arm like that to our bullpen. And right after sending down Jorge Alcala right. like a week ago yeah. because he just didn't look quite right coming back from his own elbow problems, they were kind of short. I mean, we talked about this all offseason, how they were, in my opinion, short one reliable right. high-ish upside right-handed arm. And obviously, they were banking on Alcala and or Pagan being that. And right now, neither of them Moran, look like yeah, that. Right, yeah. Oh, Moran ain't right-handed. Oh, I'm sorry. Right, yeah. Functionally. He is like – yeah, he is. Um, <laughs> I'm not you know, telling you to buy all the Brock Stewart stock after two innings. Sure. And he's got a lot of elbow problems in his past and not much success in the majors. But this wasn't just a throwaway appearance yeah, this, either. This, is, this meant something. Even, right. Like we just talked about how Winder might be joining kind of the revolving door of long relief. So when Stewart got called up two days ago right. from the minors, we uh, somebody asked Baldelli, what's the role that you envision for him? Right. And a lot of times Baldelli will just say, yeah, I don't know. We'll get him in a game and we'll see how it looks and – that's his right. way they of saying. They, 
you know, it's not going to be high leverage. We'll see how he, you know, what, where we can fit him in where it doesn't matter that much. Right. He didn't say that with Brock Stewart. He said, you know, he's not going to be one of our top four guys here. That's still going to be Duran right. and Lopez and et cetera. But we're going to try to find spots. That's what he's trying to be. To fit him into <laughs> right. what yeah. they wanted, like Pagan Alcala right. to be, which is like sixth inning, two-run game, yeah. seventh inning, three-run game either way, you know, you know. 10th inning tie game after you've used your quality right. relievers. Like he can be the, the fifth guy in an eighth, yeah. eight man bullpen, which as we've seen last year and already this year, that guy gets into spots that matter. Well, a lot. also it provides some depth to the f- front four. Right. You know, when, when, uh, with Griffin Jacks isn't doing, being quite as dominant as you want, or Duran has to disappear for a day because he's got to go take care of immigration issues yeah. or whatever, right? You've now got, a, you know, one more arm down there to handle the sixth inning that you didn't have before. Right. And the yeah. hope is, you know, he got added to the 40 man roster and the spot was cleared by designating for assignment Trevor McGill. Right. From a stuff standpoint, they're pretty similar. Yeah, right. From a, uh, Ability to turn that stuff into performance standpoint, the hope is that they're much different. Right. Uh, I don't want to be you know, too harsh on on Trevor McGill, but the cliche about you know million dollar arm, ten cent head <laughs> is unfortunately kind of what his career has played out. He was had a job, an opening day job. He he spent almost all of last year on the on the roster on the in the Twins bullpen. And if he would have just had a normal, mediocre spring training. I believe he would have been on the opening day roster as a, you know, this role that we're kind of talking about, sixth right. or seventh inning role. Instead, he was horrible immediately in spring training. He, the Twins felt he didn't handle that particularly well, just this situation of yeah. being asked to pitch on the road or being asked to pitch in the sixth inning and then struggling. So they didn't put him on the opening day roster, which he wasn't pleased about. And then they sent his ass to AAA and he got just actually. Absolutely smoked. Yep. 14 runs and in 10 innings it, it, to an embarrassing level. To made it, he almost forced our hand. And it's not, it's not like his velocity was down. No, he still throws no, 100 right. or whatever. So the hope is that Brock Stewart has the stuff of a Pagan or a Trevor McGill or a healthy Alcala, but gives them another. Maybe a little different perspective yeah, on what it means I mean, to I'm have not a major to rip career. these guys necessarily <laughs> right, because, yeah, yeah. you know. Maybe McHill a little bit, but everyone else I'm not trying to rip at all. <laughs> but the hope is basically now you have one more of those yeah. that you can kind of see if they stick. Yeah. And well, that's what especially those, with the bullpen. Right. I mean, look what Griffin Jacks has become. Or look – I mean, any number of guys in the bullpen. Yeah. It doesn't take a big lead up or lots of planning for a guy like Brock Stewart to have a good month in the majors – and then just be part of the late inning mix. Right. Like there's no – you don't need a formal invitation. Right. You don't need to save the date. Right. You don't need two years in the making with relief pitchers, who th- especially guys who throw 97. Right. It's uh, let's give him a chance. Ooh, he looks good. Wow, he's thrown nine good innings. We'll okay, he's pitching the seventh Gets now. a little bit more now, yeah. And they yeah. could desperately need that got, from a depth got, standpoint. They've got a number of guys like that that look like they can have some upside now sitting in the five, six, seven spot. Right. You know, Stuart Moran and uh, and now Winder to some extent. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, okay. Um, I and of course, Pagan. I had other notes. Kyle <laughs> Farmer is looking good, been working out. I would not be shocked if he begins a rehab assignment within the next week or so. That's awesome. Uh, which is good just to see him up and around and, you know, got a busted lip now. But right. unless you tell him to open his mouth wide, which we did, and it was kind of scary. <laughs> but unless you do that, he looks he looks and sounds Yikes. normal. 
Um, Every time you talk about his mouth, I get a little shivers. Yeah. <laughs> I wish you got to see the picture that they uh, showed us. I, I don't you you throw up on your shoes. I don't see it, it really was. Uh, <laughs> it it really it determined for me who's uh, the squeamish in the beat writing group because uh, a couple of us were like, "Ooh, that's gnarly," <laughs> and a couple of us were like, "Uh, what? Why'd you show me that? Like, what? What's uh, the matter with you?" And then a, at least one of us was like, "Open your mouth now. Let's see what it looks like." <laughs> and he did. Uh, the White Sox complete oh, free fall. My God. As of this morning, they've lost eight in a row. Yeah. They it was so bad. I don't know if you saw this last night. It got so bad for them last night. They were playing the Rays, who are destroying everyone. The Rays put in a position. The Rays player were to pitch. winning by so yeah. much that they put in a position player. And you might be right. saying position players pitch all the time. Not, Not for, for the, the winning, winning team. team. No. I can only remember once the Dodgers did this like three years ago. They were up like fourteen runs, and uh, Dave Roberts put in I think Kike Hernandez to pitch. Yeah. But there, when you're the losing team and you're down 10 runs and you put a position, you're there's waving no the downside, white flag. Right. There's no doubt. I mean, it's embarrassing. Right. But if you're the winning, like imagine Baldelli in a game the Twins were up like 14-3, puts in like Willie Castro or Nick Gordon to pitch, and they give up a grand slam and put three guys on, and you right. got to warm up Duran then. Right. Even if you don't blow the lead, which becomes possible. If you blow the lead, it's catastrophic. Right. But just if you – Force a good reliever to come into the game and not be available the next day. You just rip, get ripped to shreds. And Tampa Bay was up fourteen to three on the White Sox and put in Luke Rayleigh, who people may remember from the uh, Bruce Dark Gratterall oh, yeah, right, trade, yeah. and actually the Brian Dozier trade, right, he was traded yeah, twice right, yeah. from Dodgers to Twins. Uh, he mopped up. He gave up two runs, so the the White Sox closed the gap to fourteen to five for their eighth consecutive loss. They are now seven and nineteen. Yeah. And I will say what I said to uh, someone yesterday in the press box, which is, they ain't coming back from that. Yeah. Seven and nineteen. Did I'm not saying the- everything that happens in April rules out success for the rest of the season, but it's not like they were projected to be particularly great anyway. Did you see the clip, the radio clip I put yeah. out there? Did you listen to of it? Of a caller to, um, it was the ESPN affiliate yeah, in the Chicago? ESPN affiliate in Chicago. Yeah, it was like a... It is, it, first of all, it goes on like six minutes, yeah. seven minutes. It goes on yeah. forever, right? And you get to watch the the DJs, you know, or the... Talk, the hosts, I guess. Yeah, You're right. one. You should know what they're called. Know what they're called. Uh, hosts, <laughs> listen to it, and they are both just leaning back yeah. and laughing uh, as, yeah. because this guy's so dead on on destroying the White Sox and that organization and so on that they are purposely not interrupting. They're purposely not trying to engage. They're just letting this Which guy I go. Which I can tell you as people have been on radio and have occasionally done shows where you take calls. Right. In the back of your mind, you're always ready to dump the caller right, if they just drone on course, too long. Of course. And yeah, they were just like, let him, let him go. He's right. just and getting but started. You can see him looking at each other like, yeah. we're stepping John back. Tweeted this out this the is link. his show now. You should, if you want to watch it, <laughs> yes. go to at Twins Geek on Twitter. I yeah, don't normally recommend that. But, <laughs> uh, but And so this morning, first of all, our poor uh, White Sox writer, James Vegan, who does a really good job for The Athletic, has just been – I could tell like the the – the downfall of his men- mental state on Twitter <laughs> after all these games. It's like, they lost again. Here we go. But he wrote this morning kind of talking about the front office, that the front office is inevitably probably going to take the heat for this. But f- there's even if you fire the the GM, Rick Hahn, who's been there forever, that doesn't mean there's suddenly hope around the no. way. Like, this is not a roster that necessarily is going to be better looking next year. Right. It's a roster that was supposed to be good for the past three or five years. You're also still going to have Reinsdorf as your man, as your owner. Oh, that's true too. And oh. also this morning, 
Ken Rosenthal put out an article, which I read right before I headed over here when I woke up this morning, which was, uh, here are the White Sox trade possibilities because this thing is cooked. Mm. Uh, and you don't see that a whole lot in uh, April. Right. Uh, here yeah. are the trade deadline moves that the White Here are their impending free agents. Here are their guys with one year left. Here are their, you know, Dylan Cease they could trade if right. they really yeah. want to make a splash. And I just thought, this division every year. It's so incredible. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Twins are 15 and 11, and it feels like they're uh, 25 and 10 or something <laughs> it does. like that. You're Cleveland's right. still. You're right. I'm a believer in Cleveland still. I am too. Um, all right. That's good. Drew, right. Drew Maggi made the majors. I know. And finally got into it, yeah. which was good to see. All right. We'll be back. Uh, Monday to wrap Monday up the Royal Series. On the Patreon side, yes. we will either way, one way or the other, have more uh, meaningful updates on Maeda and Mally and Varlin and Ober and the roster and what the plan is going forward with the with the rotation especially. So if you want to join uh, our Patreon shows, which we typically do a Monday show and then a Wednesday show. We would love to have you. Patreon. This is going to be a fun year to do, to join us. I mean, the, yeah. the, if the Yankees series didn't make that clear to you, there's going to be a fun uh, a fun season to uh, pay an extra buck or two a week and uh, enjoy, yeah, the, enjoy the Twins. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Patreon.com slash Gleeman is what you want to do. Thank you to our sponsors. My bookie also to 888-826-MSP. Come play trivia with us. Better help. Game time. Use that app to get some tickets this weekend. Soda stick. And then Grody Beef. Make sure that you go sign up at GrodyBeef.com for that uh, meat raffle. Thank you to John. Don't ever bring up days off again in the first minute of a podcast. <laughs> it's going to happen You've every gotta time You've got to know now. better than that, John. You've just got to know better. Than that. Talk right. to you later, buddy. Cleveland.